Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Introducing the greatest animated series you've never seen, Lightning Dogs. These canine commandos are lost on a post-apocalyptic earth and battling the forces of the evil Glampire. <laughs> it's a tribute to the cartoons and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, and Nerdy Show is hell-bent on bringing it to life. Blocks sold separately. Join us as we document our quest from the moment lightning struck to every world-building session and beyond and make our crazy dream a reality. Roll with the pack at lightningdogs.com. What's up, everybody? Pat DeBear here. Now, before you get to listen to this episode, I want to give you a little behind-the-scenes tea on what happened. Not too long ago, Ginger Minge and CJ joined Brian and myself to discuss Drag Race UK Season 2 and US Drag Race Season 13. However, due to a little bit of a technical difficulty, uh, CJ was kicked out of the recording studio Virtually, that is. We're not all in the same place, sadly. But uh, in doing so, I ended up losing his audio and uh, was not able to get it. So you'll hear me introduce him at the beginning of the episode. And you may hear us allude to or reference things that he did say while we were recording that, unfortunately, I had to you know trim down and are not there because the audio was not there. He will join in the episode about three quarters of the way through. And uh, you'll get to hear him at the end of that. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I hope that it doesn't sound too bad. I did my best to make sure that it, uh, it, it flowed as seamlessly as possible while not having all of the audio there. But enjoy this Rue Cap and happy Rue Year to everybody listening. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Drag is the new spandex. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here, and we are back with Drag is the new spandex. I know y'all have been clamoring for it. We are a few weeks into the newest seasons, plural, of the Drag Race franchises. With the Rue Year kicking off Drag Race Season 13, and just a few short weeks later... 
Drag Race UK Season 2 kicking off. If you did not have Drag Race fatigue before, well, honey, just wait until we get through all of this because there is so much Drag Race going on, but we love it and uh, we're here to talk about it. I'm being joined by Brian. Hello, hello. He is our other flame on correspondent. Eric is not able to join us. Oral is not able to join us. Those are our other compatriots who usually chime in on our Drag Race recap episodes. So instead of having them, we decided, you know what? Why don't we call up and dial up our uh, honorary hostesses? So joining us from Florida, we have CJ. And the one and only Ms. Ginger Minge. How you doing, Ginger? Oh, and the crowd goes mild. I can hear it from here. Oh, oh, how wonderful. <laughs> 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 oh, I wish I had a job right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm going on almost a year here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, can I tell you? I said it for the first time last night that I've been in Chicago for almost a year and it literally stopped me in my tracks. I was like, oh my God, wow. Like, that's just crazy talk. It's insane. I can't, I literally cannot fathom the fact that we have been in this pandemic for almost a complete year. And on the opposite side of that, like when we sit down and watch TV, because let's be honest, there's nothing else to do right now. We're sitting down and watching TV and these people are all out at the club and they're all hanging on each other. I'm like, where are your masks? Oh, wait, this was five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at Blanche and Rose and Sophia and Dorothy going, do not be that close to each other. You're immunocompromised. Yeah, and we actually, uh, Brian uh, and I and uh, Eric and and uh, BJ all had that kind of conversation on our last episode when we did our, our full cast recording, and I brought that up. I was like, do you watch TV now and just sit there and go, oh, God, why are they so close to each other? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so crazy. Don't Absolutely. even try to watch the Waltons. That'll trigger you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I will say this, and I, I'll say it on our next full full cast uh, episode, because part of the reason I brought that up was the fact that I was a little triggered by uh, Hell's Kitchen coming back and now filming oh. in Las Vegas and having the dining room full of people and all of these things happening. And I was just like, why are you doing this? Did you guys go to like, did you switch from Los Angeles to Vegas? because of you know lowered pandemic restrictions and like i felt angry and almost kind of like bad that i was even watching it because i'm like why is this happening why are you putting yourselves at risk and then i actually read up yesterday because the newest episode had come out and i was like i need to know like i need to not have this mental like craziness in my head and it was filmed in 2018 so <laughs> I <take> it, back. <laughs> it came out it's you know two plus years later and they're airing it finally they filmed two seasons back to back and then waited i don't know why i guess that's just kind of how their shooting schedule goes but i couldn't imagine that i really like could you imagine filming an episode of a series any show and then having to wait on it for a couple of years like three years to air oh my and God. you can't I- spill the tea about it honestly like your original season like go back to season seven being top three and already having to wait from the time that you guys filmed 
all the way through until you guys filmed the reunion. Could you now imagine tacking on another like year and a half to that? That would be insane. Yeah, that'd be all stars too. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Very true. Oh, we oh. filmed All Stars too, and we didn't think it was ever coming out. Like honestly, we were like, "Oh, well, I guess it wasn't good enough, and they're never going to show it," <laughs> because wow. it was just a year went by, and then it was like a year and a half, and they finally said, "Okay, I think we'll go ahead and release this now." And oh, we're just—I had forgotten by the time the show aired. I loved it because it's like, "Oh, I don't even remember any of this." It's like watching it again as a uh, as a viewer for the first time. You're like, wait, that happened? It was lovely. Now, I'm going to tell you, it did suck to get eliminated and go home. But Drag Race being a show that I do enjoy watching, I was very excited to be able to watch the second half of the season. Like, spoiler-free, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it turned out, of course, to be, like, the best season ever. So I was like, and the girls, we were all in a group chat, and I kept, like, taking myself out of it and they put me back in they're like why are you mad i was like i'm not mad just stop spoiling shit for me (laughs) i'm trying to cheer you hoes on shut up (laughs) oh my god i love it i love it uh but hey listen not that we want you to get eliminated ever but you being eliminated and then brought back and doing that twirl led to one of my favorite lee dawson uh recap episode moments where you spin and the dress comes down and then he uh, like superimposed the Christmas tree over it. <laughs> you know, I have never ever seen any of Lee Dawson's stuff. Oh my goodness. The the All-Stars 2 ones are probably my favorite ever. He was and- never very kind to me. Um, oh. So I just, I didn't go out of my way to support you know, I don't have anything against him. I don't give a shit. You know, like I'm out there, I'm doing my thing. You do yours. And if it intersects it intersects, but I never went like out of my way to go look him up. And then I just forgot about him until you said that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of do uh, kind of go off and on with him as far as like, you know, uh, it being kind of a big thing because he would take so long in between videos. And now I think BBC, three has actually hired him to do like mini ones for uh the uk episodes so they oh did he do the one that they po- they posted it on instagram yeah did he that's him yep oh so i did see him oh good job good job and honestly i i think the the reason i love the uh the all-stars two ones the most and i love fifi now jeremy because fifi's retired um i love i loved that every time there was like a little like shady like shot he would make it go black and white and it would just go secret plans revenge on my mind (laughs) (laughs) i think enough time has passed that i could probably go and watch it without like pouring salt in the wound (laughs) probably yeah you know but if if you do, I need your reaction to those videos because they there are some pretty damn funny moments that are. In hey, those, uh, ooh, maybe that'll be my new TikTok content because Nana's trying to be hip, so I started a TikTok. <laughs> oh, what's your TikTok handle? Is that what they call them? <laughs> I don't know. Ask my husband. What is it? You can follow Ginger Minge on TikTok at the Ginger Minge. That's at the Ginger Minge on TikTok. 
Hey, it's been good. We posted this stupid video the other night of literally me just turning around cross-eyed in slow motion. And it, we set it to, you better work, supermodel. And uh, it's already got like how 120,000 views. I was like, see, maybe TikTok is my medium. Maybe it's my platform. Because I can just be an idiot and people can see it for free. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I love it. I love it. Oh, my favorite things now are um, the video channels that are reviewing uh, Drag Race uh, contestant OnlyFans pages. So that way you don't have to. And I'm like, oh, let's find out about this person's OnlyFans. Are there any good juicy ones? Oh, that sounds wrong. Maybe not juicy. Are there any good ones? Oh, you could be CC Badcock. Oh, ooh. Mm. Oh, now I'm, now I'm gonna want to sing the uh, the theme song to the nanny. Do 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 do. <laughs> oh my goodness, can you do that for the uh, for a future TV Land Live? That would we be are. <gasps> oh we are goodness. gonna do it. Yeah, that's on on the docket. Um, we also have I Love Lucy on the docket, which is gonna be really fun. But our next one is designing women. <gasps> yes, I love so it. So exciting. Mm, it um, is. Listen, can uh, can can we figure out a way to, to get me in, uh, back to wherever you're performing, if it's still house or, or wherever? Oh, no, it is not house. We've moved. Uh, we're going to now be at Sleuths. Oh, nice. Awesome. Ample free parking, a nice uh, sequestered theater all on its own, plenty of seating. It'll be great. Well, I want I want to come back and work uh, for you guys for when you do the nanny. I'm just I'm just putting that out there now. Oh, uh, I'm excited about that one because I get to be I get to be Sylvia Fine. <gasps> oh my god! I, be, uh, I I was gonna say, can I be uh, uh, Grandma Yetta? But I feel like <laughs> I'll be Mr. Miss Adrian. No, she's gonna be Fran. <gasps> really? Yeah. Ooh. Then can I call dibs on Grandma Yetta? <laughs> sure. Come on, gal. <laughs> Provide your own walker. We're working on a budget. Yes. Totally it. Well, before we dive into Drag Race, I know we've been chatting a little bit uh, back and forth about some of the, the things that have been going on, but um, I know you have a virtual show that's going to be coming up, and this episode will be coming out uh about a week or so before that show. So why don't you let our listeners know what's coming up and uh, anything else that you want to plug besides, you know, your husband later on today. Oh, you're so sweet. We've been married for so long. That doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> I no. didn't say what you were plugging in with what. I mean, you could just shove a rag in his mouth to get him to stop talking for a while. Hey. Whatever, whatever yeah. floats your boat. Whatever tickles your pickle. Um, so we do have a, well, it's on Valentine's day, but it is actually our Galentine's day special because we know not everybody's really into the whole lovey dovey aspect of Valentine's day. Oh, it's too commercial or I'm alone or whatever. This is for you. This is just for you and your, your friends. Get around, have a good time, drink a bottle of wine, eat some popcorn, eat some finger foods, and then watch three cross-dressers make a fool of themselves live on your television screen slash computer slash phone. I love it. It's really fun. We're actually, we're, um, we're doing 
all sorts of musical numbers. And it's not just about love. It's kind of like how you navigate the world with love and the relationship, the relationships that you make outside of just romantic relationships. So there'll be dating tips in there. There'll be tips from me as a married lady. Um, we're going to be reading some very festive Valentine's cards from some of our fans. So it, it's going to be a really good time. There's going to be something for everybody. It's really not very expensive. Um, and it is at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. Ooh, so, so you didn't have to stay up late to watch. No, no, not at all. There, uh, The tickets are all available. And there's three levels of tickets. So there's like the basic show. Um, then there's the show with the after party, which is a virtual thing, but it's going to be really fun. And then there's the show after party and virtual meet and greet, which is a one-on-one FaceTime Skype session um, with fans, which is really, really fun. And we're really looking forward to doing those. Uh, so for all of that ticketing information, go to sessionslive.com backslash ginger minge backslash tickets. It's a mouthful, but who doesn't love a mouthful on Valentine's day? I mean, for real. And the only mouthful I'm getting on Valentine's day is probably the chocolate I buy myself that day. So mm. I, Love it. I love it. Um, so that's fantastic. I'm excited that you are doing uh, some more of these virtual shows. They've been kind of, you know, the backbone of drag in the pandemic. And it's a great way for you all to be able to still do do these things and reach fans uh, with all of this craziness going on. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're ever going to get rich doing these things. <laughs> Most of the time we spend twice the budget that we have. But... It's been so important for us to do because it's it's just keeping us creative. It's giving us something to do. And it's giving us a way to connect with those people who do love us and support us and kind of need us. Um, we need them just as much. So it's giving us that kind of connection in a time where we really haven't been able to go out there and experience what we're used to experiencing. So it's been such a blessing for us. And this is our Galentine's Day uh, gift to all of those people. So I just hope they come in and join us and have a good time. Oh, I love it. And this way, Pheromone doesn't have to yell at you on Twitter. So it's all good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just made me an extra large cup of coffee. And I <laughs> sat on the back porch and listened to the birds twittering above me while she was tweeting on the, the internet. Girl, just sipping my tea going, mm, has nothing to do with me. <laughs> uh, I love Farrah. Anywho, uh, so who else is in the show with you? You said it's uh, three of you lovely ladies. There are. There's me, there's Gidget Galore, who, you know, she's my best friend. We've been doing all this digital drag content together for the last year. Um, and she's kind of made a name for herself within the drag race community. They, they jokingly refer to her as the other lady. Um, well, we jokingly refer to her as that because after our very first digital show, we were doing a, an online meet and greet on like an Instagram live or something. And somebody said, Oh my God, I love you so much, Ginger and the other lady. I'm sorry. I don't remember your name, but I love you too. So they all just started going, Oh yes. The other lady, the other lady. Um, so the two of us, are, are heading this up. And then we're also bringing in my drag daughter, our friend, uh, winner of season two of Camp Wanakiki, Tora Hyman. So it'll be the three of us, good old Broadway gals singing all sorts of songs. 
Oh, I love Yay. it. I love Tora. I'm so happy that I know her and that she was my first curling drag queen that I got to teach how to get out on the ice and throw. I watched that video when she posted it. That looked like fun. I really hope someday soon and in safer times, Ginger, you get to try this in drag as well, because it is so much fun. And I think it is so awesome that uh, our communities are colliding in cool ways like that. So, well, you asked me before and I was like curling. What the hell? I don't do my own hair. This is stupid. (laughs) I didn't quite grasp it. Oh, goodness. And uh, I miss Gidget so much. Girl, she is just plugging away. She's keeping busy. We spent a week clearing. So we had turned her garage into our own little television studio um, through all of the digital drag fest last year. And then afterwards, she was like, well, I need to start making some actual money and not the digital drag money. So she started taking commissions again. So we cleared everything out of the garage and turned it from a studio into um, a sewing studio. So now she's got uh, two industrial machines set up in there, a giant cutting table, um, all sorts of dress forms, hanging dress forms, wigs, all sorts of things. And uh, it's been great because, you know, I've never been much of a sewer as we all saw before on season seven. Um, But she's taught me a lot because I go over there and I help her. And it's, it's kind of what's been supplementing uh, what little income we have lately. So it's, it's been nice to do something with somebody you appreciate and enjoy and also make a couple of dollars on the side. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I I let let her know that, you know, once she's not a, a busy sewing bee, that, uh, you know, reminder that she has my shirts and that blanket would be lovely sometime, you know, during the summer when it's nice and hot outside. I'll see <laughs> if she has an opening in her schedule. Oh, I miss everybody down there so much. It's so weird going from seeing people, uh, you know, that you, you love and enjoy being around whenever you want to, basically, to uh, being in another city and just going, I miss you all. <laughs> <laughs> But it kind of feels like that here, like, even though I'm 15 minutes down the road from all of these people, I never see them. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, I feel so isolated over in our house and kind of our own little world. And then the few times that we have gone out to actually work or do something, and let me just state for the record, we do everything super safe more than we're even supposed to i am so nervous and scared about all this stuff we take every precaution you could imagine and then some but the few times we have had to gone go out and and work and do something um it's still so weird seeing these people because they're in the room with you and you can't run up and hug them you can't really hold a conversation like you normally would and it's i don't know i think the thing i miss the most is just being able to hug people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I a million percent agree with you on that. That's been, I I never thought I was a a huge, you know, hugger, you know, until the pandemic hit. And then I was like, oh, I I actually needed more than I thought. So, you know, I I totally agree with you there. And I'm glad you put that that caveat in there because I saw Faramone picking up her phone to start tweeting. (laughs) She put it down. She put it down. You good. You're right. Right. 
I was like, oh my gosh. So we were like, okay, let's be super duper safe. Not only are we going to wear the shields that we have, and we bought like those really good ones that hug your face and all that. We were like, okay, let's buy the mouth shields as well that are the clear plastic. Oh my God. It was a lipstick sauna. It was so disgusting. And I sounded like I was in a fishbowl. It seemed like I was looking through a fishbowl. I was like, oh, I, I can't do this. It was, I've never seen something steam up so quick. Oh my goodness. I could only imagine. But I applaud the fact that you go to those lengths to make sure that not only you are safe, but that, you know, anybody that is in the vicinity is safe as well. So I, I do a tip of the cap to you for that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. So we have chatted. We have kikied. We have caught up. It feels like forever because it's you been forever. Kai kied. I don't know. Oh, so much ooh. has happened. I mean, I didn't. I haven't put my dress and my wig on, but I mean, we can kai kai later. <laughs> I haven't put pants on. I haven't done drag below the waist in the last year, <laughs> uh, which is probably the the most freeing and oddest feeling in the world. I'm sure. <laughs> no, actually, to be completely honest with you, I don't feel right. I don't feel like I'm in drag if I'm not tucked and wearing my pads. So even if I'm not wearing pants or a skirt or anything, I'm still sitting there tucked with my pads on <laughs> in full drag sitting behind these tables. Gidget and I just recorded a new video, which it'll, it'll probably be out by the time this uh, goes to air. But um, we did a blindfold taste test of name brand versus Dollar Tree food products. Ooh. It was the most ridiculous thing. And there's the both of us sitting there in these like 1950s blouses and wigs and everything. And then just pads and tights. <laughs> Eating <laughs> fake Oreos. <laughs> if that doesn't like summarize the entirety of the pandemic for a drag queen, I don't know what else would. I, I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. All right. I think it is time for us to dive into some RuPaul's Drag Race. Roop, 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 roop. Oh, God, what is it? Oh, let's, let's do the new one. Racers, start your engines and may the best, may the best drag, drag queen win. win. I like it. I like it. I do, too. I love that. So let's dive into, let's go to the UK first. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Okay, so... UK season two is I'm oh I'm so sad to say and I'm probably gonna get some hate for it. I feel like I am more invested in this season with these girls than I have been with almost any season in recent years. Like even more so than season thirteen or season twelve. Like I'm so invested in every single one of these UK season two contestants. There's so much emotional vulnerability, and, and especially this last episode, there's so much just emotion and, and acceptance. It's a very positive season, other than maybe confusing judge calls. But overall, I agree, Ginger. It is a uh, very um, – I wish there was more of this in other uh, seasons and versions of Drag Race. 
Well, and I, I'm totally rooting for Lawrence because not only is she a big girl sister, but when I did my my yearly uh, Christmas tour in the UK a couple years ago, she opened for me in every city. So we spent two weeks together on the road. And there's a video of us eating gummies together on my Instagram. Um, but we just hit it off because she's just good people. And everything that you see on this season is her. It's her. That's her personality. That's how she is in her day-to-day life. She's just lovely. And I'm so excited to see her really shine. She's really in her element. And uh, I think that the, the second episode was such a testament to how what star power she has. Because she wasn't good in that, that rusical. She wasn't good at all. Because it's not in her skill set. But she was magical in it because she used what she had and st- she's still like really shone bright above all these other people that are like singing and dancing circles around her. To me, that's a star and Lawrence is a star. Absolutely. I am 100% with you. I love Lawrence Cheney. Like, I, I, so I don't think you have an unpopular opinion on being more invested in UK than uh, US right now. That seems to be a lot of what I've seen online. I met the season one UK girls at DragCon mm-hmm. before the season aired and got to actually, um, we, we were in the press room. I, I'm, I feel like I'm bragging on the podcast for some reason. <laughs> we, you know, we were in the, we met them on the floor uh, on the first day. And then on the final day of DryCon, we got to be in the press room and we interviewed all 10 contestants. And they were all so amazingly sweet and kind and just fun to talk to that when season one aired, I was in love with everybody. Like mm-hmm. I was just I was rooting for them all. I loved them all. Season two rolled around and I, I didn't have that same personal connection to them. Yeah. So I didn't go into it thinking, oh, I'm not going to like these girls. I just didn't have that same like excitement going into episode one. But now that we are three episodes in, I am just, I'm taken with all of the contestants, except maybe one. Do you know who I think has the most charisma I've ever seen of anybody in the whole wide world? Who? Tace. Oh. I I could watch her confessionals all day long because there's something so mesmerizing about her and the way she speaks and the way she holds herself. Like she has definite star quality, but there's also just this, this sense of like danger, but fun all rolled into one. Cause you never know what she's going to say, but you know, no matter what it is, it's going to sting a little bit and be really exciting. So Absolutely. much comes through her eyes too. She she smizes and 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 like does whole conversations <laughs> of of di- through her eyes alone. It is remarkable. She is she's compelling. I agree. To me, if Lola from Kinky Boots was a real life person, it would be Tace. Absolutely. Oh my god, that's perfect. That's yes. I just, oh, I just, I absolutely love her. I love the whole cast. I really do. And this, the moment in this past episode <laughs> between Tia Coffee and Lawrence is something that I will probably replay in my head all day, every day until the day I die. 
when when Tace goes, oh, Lawrence wouldn't know love if it smacked her in the chops. And then T says, did you hear what they said? Lawrence goes, no, what? She says, well, I won't repeat it, dear. <laughs> like, that is the best moment of television that has ever existed, ever. <laughs> and I'm so happy I saw it. I, I don't know why. I mean, and it's not that I don't know why, but I have this odd affinity for Tia Coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's something about Tia that just, I just, I'm, I'm immediately drawn to. She reminds me of Chantel Roche. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Um, but when she, when she was doing her intro, like her confessional intro, and she was like, you know, I named myself after, uh, TMR, uh, Tia Mowry from Sister Sister and Coffee Kingston, the UN ambassador. And she goes, well, you know, I'm lucky it worked out that way because otherwise it would have been Tamara Buchos Buchos Gali. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just dead ass lost it and was like, okay, I am in for this queen. <laughs> well, everything she says is gold. She's got like the geeky queen perspective. I, 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 she won me over and, and Pat, you definitely knew me well enough to know this would happen. Uh, and I think it was the, the first episode. She came out as yep. Alan Turing, the father of computer science. Her outfit is delightfully like pride colored and has all these ones and zeros. Uh, it is, it, it won me over right there. But I mean, she's, She's definitely a queen where I hope they're giving her like the the jinx storyline where she kind of blossoms and grows and uses yeah I, I I'm I'm yeah I don't know if we want to spoil anything just yet but uh there her, her storyline is 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 compelling and interesting to me. I absolutely love her and and literally every single time she has to describe an outfit or describe what she's doing or what she's thinking it, you hang on to every word because it, you don't know what the hell is going to come out of her mouth, but you know it's going to be funny. <laughs> and it's so self-deprecating. And me, like, that's my sense of humor, very self-deprecating. And I love it when somebody just really takes it and runs with it. And I feel like that's what she does. Is it material on my body? Yes. Is it well-constructed? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> When she was doing the that confessional voiceover for the for the the most recent runway, I yeah, that it was just phenomenal. <laughs> it's so good. And then when when Michelle Visage said, "So do you know what I'm gonna say? Oh, it's beautiful. You love it. You want to wear it. It's so well constructed." <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, that was that. Oh, so good, so good. Um. Instead of running down all the the girls, because you know, let's let's be honest. If we sat here and discussed, dissected, and disseminated on everybody, we'd be here for fourteen hours just talking yes. about the youth. Uh, but let's uh, let's choose one other queen from the cast that has stuck out to you, and uh, you know, we'll each take a, a, a queen and, and give a little shout out to them and. And then that way we can move on. We'll we'll talk about some highlights of the first three episodes after that. Oh no! How am I going to pick just one more? <laughs> I'm going to name. That's why I make it hard for you. To I'm going to name. No, I'm going to name three. I'm <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> I won't dissect them all, but I'm going to name three that are really standing out and exciting me right now. Love Jenny Lemon. Like just kooky reminds me so much of Elton John, and I'm immediately drawn to her. <laughs> Oh yes. my god, that is so accurate. So much. 
I was a little disappointed that she didn't do Elton John for her her British gay icon. Oh my god, that's yeah, so but true. I wonder, do you think she's saving that for Snatch Game? Who knows? I don't know. Um, I also I really like Bimini. I haven't we haven't seen a whole lot from her yet, but I really like her. I like her vibe. I like her energy. Um, and she's one of those. She strikes me a lot, like. Um, almost like Violet where she's really tough and she's got like this bitchy exterior, but there are moments where you see behind that and you see that she's really human and she's got a big heart. So I'm excited to kind of see what storyline there is for her. Uh, And then I also really, really love, um, Oh gosh, I got to pick one more, just one more. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I won't right now because I'm going to narrow it down in my head. You go. <laughs> because I get my everyday pedestrian opinion, my season seven opinion, and my All Stars 2 opinion. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah, Veronica Green. That's my third one. What a. Sh- I just think she's so cute and she's so talented, and I'm here for it. I love her. Brian, who's somebody that you want to call out? Um, so I will definitely agree with everything my esteemed colleagues have said already. Jenny Lemon is so fantastic. I love her journey. Uh, talking about being non-binary is really important representation, so I'm really glad that that's there. Um, Tia's, again, such a hot mess, but so funny and so much the kind of person I gravitate towards personality-wise, but also doing some really great drag. Uh I, I want to pick Lawrence, but only because we've talked about her. I can just say, you know, I agree with all of that. I have to mention and I have to put it out there for Joe Black because I only got one episode of this legend in UK drag and I loved her looks in the runway. And I am so par- part of my UK experience so far has been I just I don't know that the editing and or the way it's cut is reflecting what we're what the judges saw, because that's the only way I can make any sense of things like that happening. Uh, uh, Anyway, so I love uh, uh, Joe's uh, Bowie uh, inspired, I guess, by the freak show. Uh, um, Was it freak show? Yeah, it was freak show. American uh, Horror Story. Uh, David Bowie incarnation. Like, I just thought it was brilliant and loved it. And uh, yeah. I wish we could have seen more of her. Well, you know it's a good season if the first out is Joe Black. Like, that is quality drag right there. That's somebody that has the potential to win. And she was out first. And it was a big blow. But it's like, you look at all of the girls on this season, and you're, like, looking down the line going, well, who would it be okay to get rid of? Like, they're all so freaking good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let me ask, have has anybody besides me seen Divine Grace's Medusa costume? Absolutely. No. Yes. No. I see what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Well, I will I will have to send a picture, but Joe Black's um, hometown look gave me such Divine Grace Medusa costume look, like feel. I was just, I was like, oh my God. Like, I, it just... <laughs> It made me so happy and then sad at the same time, you know, when she was eliminated. But it was just like, oh, it's so good. And you're right. Like, ev- there were so many good looks 
and um, I'm not one to talk bad about about you know your drag race sisters, but there was a video that went around, especially over across the pond, um, where some people were very upset that on a certain fashion photo review episode of this first episode of Drag Race UK that certain hosts did not know who Alan Turing was uh. and proceeded to just shit on the on the outfit not knowing who or and, and the shitting on the fact that like why would you pick this person without knowing who it was yeah. and i was i was a little upset about that like As, if you yeah. if you want to pick apart the outfit or say you didn't like the outfit that's one thing but come on at least do a little bit of of research into you know this this icon before you know shitting on it <laughs> Yeah, but, but the one thing that I will say about that is just there people put too much stock into an opinion sometimes. It's like they're not professionals. Their opinion isn't the be all end all. So just take oh, for it sure. for what it is and be like, "Oh bitch, you don't know what you're talking about." And move on. Like I sometimes I think that we as fans and and like myself having been a contestant, we get too caught up in what other people think about what has been presented instead of just looking at it for what it is and going, this is how it makes me feel. And this is what I like. And this is what I don't like. It, it, it's not that serious. This is just drag. Calm down and maybe do a little bit of research. If you don't know who the fuck it is. Yeah. And that was the thing. I mean, like I think what I saw and, and thankfully it wasn't really like abrasive, like, like internet comments can be, but it was more just kind of like, why are you like shit talking, choosing this person with not knowing who it is? And no, I think and I understand really that. For it. But yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And opinions are fine on things like this. But take a step back and realize that you aren't the only opinion out there. And the world <laughs> will be a much better place. <laughs> well, and I think the perfect example of that is how often... The world disagrees with the choices the judges make on any season of the show. Well, really, any competition show that you sit and you watch, you often watch it and go, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Why are you making that choice? That is not right. This should be this and that should be that. But it's like, that's kind of what makes the world go around is that everybody sees something different. And opinions are just opinions. And sometimes people's opinions matter more for something that is a very specific incident. But at the end of the day, just enjoy what you enjoy and feel how you feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for my my choices that I want to call out, we've talked about pretty much all of them. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence is my, my personal front runner as far as who I want to see take the title. Um, just for the fact that I, I love the energy and I love the kind of self-discovery that he's going through on the show, but not letting it be something that's completely taking him out of the competition because we've seen it happen so many times in, well, in what were edited and shown where a lot of times when those Queens go through that. They, they stumble, they stumble, they stumble, and maybe they'll have a breakthrough, and then they go home. Hi, Trinity. K. Bonet, not the block. And I oop. So I've loved what Lawrence has, has put out there. Um, I have this odd, you know, love for, for Tia Coffee. Like, there's just something about her that I just find 
so entertaining. And then I love the looks that Cherry Valentine had and getting to um, talk about being uh, Gypsy slash Romani, however, you know, whatever's most comfortable. I know on the show that, um, you know, he, he doesn't have an issue with the, the term Gypsy, uh, but the travelers, the, you know, traveling people, you know, and being able to bring that to uh, an international audience and to talk about it. Like that was just awesome. The, the you guys had brought it up earlier, the topics and the things that they're bringing to the forefront and that they're talking about, you know, the gender identity and non-binary, um, you know, identity talking about, you know, traveling people, like all of these things that get, get brought up in these episodes. And we're only three episodes of UK in, you know, have been so, so outstanding. And so for the most part, not done as a, um, a very special episode type feel uh-huh. or an after school special, uh, which I know a lot of people kind of uh, poke fun at season nine of U.S. Drag Race for being that a very special episode feel every single episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I but I do have to say, like those moments are so important to 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 have these conversations because it reach even if we sit there and we go, well, girl, I know this. Why are you crying about it? Like this, we deal with this on a daily basis. Yeah, but the audience that is affected by it isn't necessarily us. It's not for us. It's for people like my mom. And this is such a cute story. We, <laughs> my aunt Glenda Faye is over, and her and my mom, they're you know they're in their sixties and they're southern white women and they haven't really been exposed to a lot of what the world has to offer outside of their immediate circle so it was really sweet to watch that episode and to hear my mother explaining and breaking down binary and gender and all of these things in a way that my aunt could understand it and accept it And so it was one of those things where, like, I think in that moment, it made my mom feel really good because she felt like she had put in the work and she was really understanding our community and who we are. And it it really made me also feel good because my aunt, who has always loved me but never really understood me or what I do, really kind of got more of an in-depth look at what it takes to kind of be somebody like me. That's fantastic. And for those of you out there who are listening that don't know, like I, I am non-binary. Like I don't identify with one gender or another. And it was really nice to have that explained to somebody I care about who didn't understand it in a way that it really made them understand. Oh, that's, that's phenomenal. And you're absolutely right that it, now that drag race and all of these different, um, offshoots and iterations of drag race are reaching such a broader audience the fact that it's it's being shown to these people and and being put out there in this this way it's that that's fantastic i'm 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 just happy to hear that that's awesome yeah and that's just my own little personal story so i can only imagine what it's like for so many other people out there that are learning something new about the people they care about every single episode Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so let's do a quick little, uh, let's talk some highlights of these first couple episodes of Drag Race UK. The first episode saw them taking balls to the face from the Brit crew. 
<laughs> and who wouldn't want to? They are beautiful. Oh, they are delightful. And I love the underwear. I am a sucker for those uh, Union Jack underwear that they put on the Brick Crew. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that I want the ones that they're actually wearing, not my own pair. But you know, <laughs> so you so you could Union Jack off. Oh, uh, oh, boom! <laughs> only on OnlyFans.com <laughs> slash the Prime Rib. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better get a sponsor. I don't know if it's going to be from OnlyFans or from one of those uh, Steak of the Month clubs, but. Oh, oh my God, that'd be phenomenal! Oh, uh, we need to we need to get uh, that the whatever the monthly meet is. Uh, <laughs> monthly meet brought to you by Flame On. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> so um, the runway themes for the first episode we had uh, the UK gay icon and queen of your hometown. What runway stood out to you? Uh, Good or bad, we'll we'll open it up to either, because you know sometimes we have we have our own opinions and we like to share them here. So uh, and at this point, if you if you've gotten this far into the episode and don't know that we're gonna spoil some stuff, this is your warning because now we're actually talking about the episode. So just a, a heads up, come back if you haven't caught up on these episodes. But uh, Ginger, what did you think about the first runway? Hmm. Um, I thought it was good. I didn't think that anything really kind of blew me away. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't love that we had two Robin Hoods. I felt like both were okay, but they were a little lazy, uh, a little too on the nose for the challenge. Um, I really like, isn't it Sister Sister that came out as Dusty Springfield? Yes. I like her a lot. I didn't love the Dusty Springfield look. I felt like there was it was a little too literal. I think she could have taken it in a different direction. I really loved Bimini in that particular runway. I thought that it was well-conceived. I thought that it was a way to take this icon that is so well-known and turn it around to still make it fashion and still make it her. I thought that was really lovely. Um, and I liked Lawrence's as well. I thought that for the hometown look, I'm, I personally feel like Lawrence had the best one because it, it would have been so easy for her to come out in a kilt with some bagpipes and do this whole stereotypical Scottish thing. But well, she really, <laughs> well, Hey, and Morgan she, McMichaels. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, but that's my point. It's been done, yeah. And oh, you're right. she she could have easily done it because she is currently living in Scotland. It, it is something that is definitely a part of her everyday heritage. Um, but she really kind of thought outside of the box with that, and all of that stained glass uh, inspiration was really beautiful. I loved the hat that you could still see through. It really gave that that vibe off. Like I, I thought that it was fantastic. I I agree. I thought she was gonna win. To be honest, I thought she had a real shot at taking taking the first challenge. Yeah, I did too. But I didn't think she needed it. True, true. Because I, I like in my head, I was like, "Yeah, you did really well." But I know you can do better, and I know you will do better. 
So I'd rather like have people rooting for her. Like, oh, she should have won that one that way. By the time she wins one, people go nuts. Yeah, no, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And definitely, I mean, it's not like she did bad in, in the slightest. So no, not at see, all. It was good to see her be able to showcase that um, and and get the praise. But, you know, still have that room to be able to do do just that little bit extra, which in a couple episodes she did. So that was great. Yeah. Uh, Brian, who did you think uh, had a, a good or memorably bad performance on the runway for this episode? Oh, wow. I think good. I mean, you guys, again, you're, you're killing it. Joe Black, I really totally disagree with what the judges saw. So I would I would have definitely uh, chosen uh, her. Jenny, I would say Jenny Lemon. Jenny Lemon's uh, looks, uh, especially her Kate Bush, which I love Kate Bush, and seeing uh, that uh, version of Kate Bush was pretty ridiculous and amazing. <laughs> uh, I also really liked uh, Sherry Valentine's uh, sort of different looks, especially her Freddie Mercury. I thought that was really kind of fun and interesting. I was like, all right, big hair, mustache. I, I get it. I like it. It works. Um, you know, none of them were horrible like none of them were like you know low points i don't think but uh you know i i feel like uh uh maybe gosh no none of actually i won't say none of them were bad i enjoyed every one of them uh but i think standouts for me uh were joe and uh and jenny and you know maybe even um oh gosh sister sister i really like her her sort of interesting looks so yeah i don't know No, no bad no nothing bad Yeah, I agree with you. Nothing was bad. It was just, it wasn't very exciting for a premiere episode. Yeah, that I could, uh, I think the excitement was sort of the the controversial ending, uh, to say the least. But yeah, I I feel like it was overall not like this uh, start with a bang uh, kind of approach. Yeah, there was no, um, there was no something Wong um, postage stamp or, um, oh crap, was it Cheryl? Who did the coin and had the you know the 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 split you know down the the center of her? Oh yeah, there, there was oh yeah, so there was none of those like wham like oh my god in your face type of looks, but yeah, or I, even I, or even like Baga, it, like when she did that horrible thing, <laughs> and it was just so ugly, but it was so ugly that it was like exciting because you knew people were going to be talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's why the runway wasn't exciting because everybody seemed very even on the playing field. And I felt like there wasn't one outfit that was so good that you knew it would would attract attention and make people talk. And there wasn't one that was so bad that you knew people were going to be run into Twitter to be like, girl, did you see? Yes, I saw. (laughs) That is very true. That is very true. Well, we all we all should point out Dennis the Menace is not the Dennis the Menace that we're used to, right? It's a different British Dennis the Menace. I had to look this up because I had never heard of it. But when you look at that Dennis the Menace, it's a British cartoon. It is actually like she did a great job. I was just like, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this shit right now. Yeah, do it, and you'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, and it blew yeah. my mind that they were Dennis, two Dennis the Menace, like UK. It was like, weird i I, again i love learning that i love finding hidden histories of things that i have known about or and i don't even know that the two are necessarily related oh shit 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's also Freddy Krueger. I mean, it's the same black and white, stri- black and red stripes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to change my opinion now. Shit. Cherry Valentine, you nailed it. <laughs> I I didn't know the, the UK reference, Dennis the Menace. I definitely got Freddy Krueger, but I still thought it was a cool outfit. Like, I wasn't mad about it at all. But I, CJ, I'm with you. The, um, the Freddie Mercury, like gay icon look, was phenomenal, and that's the uh, is it the I want to break free music video, I believe is the, the reference. Yeah, when that when I saw that pop up, I was like, okay, I'm like that's phenomenal, um, and then yeah, like everything that you guys have talked about, Lawrence Cheney, I think was still one of my favorite um, Queen of Your Hometown looks. Like Ginger, I agree with you on that. I love the the stained glass. I love that she made it herself you know like it's, mm-hmm. it's the the talent is is there and that definitely that first episode really made me want to root for lawrence a hundred percent moving on for episode two uh runway was surprise surprise i love how we're leaning into the reveals upon reveals of uh, <laughs> the world now that, lee, you know, <laughs> lee dawson will be thrilled <laughs> and uh I, I i there weren't necessarily any Alyssa edwards bad surprise surprise reveals but uh not all of them worked so well so yeah. uh, ginger what did you think uh what were your standouts good or bad for uh this second episode now i know this is probably controversial but i really did not like lawrence's runway I thought that it was a little clunky and it did kind of lean into the expected thing. I thought that once the the change was made, it was pretty. And I felt like she really sold it, but I thought that the actual transformation of the costume was not very well done. Um, And I, I was disappointed that I felt that way because I'm rooting so hard for her. Uh, I thought that Bimini's was a great idea, but not necessarily met what the the requirements of the challenge were. And of course it didn't work. And you know, you go out there with something risky and you hope it pays off, but you know, there's a big chance it may not. So I'm glad she took the risk, but it obviously did not pay off for her. What was Um, it supposed to be or do? She was a, a, a canvas, right? So the black balloons were like paint and yeah. she was sort of a canvas. And when you, when you pop them, you get this kind of like cool art collage thing going. Yeah. Um, like paint yeah. spiders. Um, so it was a great idea. And she posted a picture of what it should have looked like on her Instagram. And that was really beautiful. And I thought that she looked stunning. That hair is some of my favorite hair I've ever seen. Um, but what did I really enjoy? But you know, the one way to get me to just like throw my spare change at you and scream and run around the room is to do Wizard of Oz. And there have been <laughs> there have been so many Wizard of Oz references in Drag Race UK season two so far. Every episode, there's at least one uh, one Wizard of Oz reference, which is weird because it's the only truly original American fairy tale. So it's really exciting to see it like culturally embraced in another country and then celebrated. I thought that was super exciting. I love that. That was my winner. 
Oh, Brian, who were your uh, your your highs or, or lows off of this uh, second runway? Well, I, I totally agree. Veronica Green blew me away. I every time she does something new, I just it it's been so successful and so cool. And to me, of all the transformations from from boy to the queen that is like one of the most stark for me i'm just like wait oh my god yeah that's 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 oh wow it's it's awesome to see that uh, well what does she say about herself she says i go from golem to gorgeous in three hours <laughs> i thought that is brilliant it is perfect it is a perfect tagline for her um so tia coffee even though i don't know that it was the most successful i really enjoyed it and it's like kind of ridiculousness so again i just I can't always defend her choices, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's impressive. And I really did love Ellie Diamond. Like, you know, I I have never done drag. It is certainly something that I am very impressed by. And I know these reveals are complicated little bits of engineering that you have to add into your creativity and seamstressness and all of it and, and everything else. So when you can pull off three looks in that way, I I have to tap uh, tip my hat because oh my god, I I don't even know how all that works, and I think that would kind of ruin it for me if I found out. But uh, yeah, Ellie's uh, uh, Wizard of Oz uh, three looks was uh, pretty epic. Well, and I thought it was such a good allegory for tucking when she had that tail wrapped all the way around her waist. <laughs> yes, oh my god, <laughs> perfect. You guys have like taken all like honestly like the best comments of all the really good ones. And as much as I enjoy her, Tace's uh, surprise, surprise runway was nothing. Like there, it just didn't. It had nothing for me. It, some no. blood capsule. Like that, that was pretty much it. With Cherry Valentine, it just it it felt really, really flat. Almost as flat as the hair that Tace was wearing on the runway. <laughs> hey, I will say though, she was just mesmerizingly gorgeous. I've never, like, blood makes me queasy. Even the thought of it makes me queasy. But the way it was just splattered on her with that white hair. And I I was so like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. I just want to be your friend. Seriously, she is stunning. Uh Uh-huh. Stunning. Stunning. Womana. Fully, like, it just... You know, I joke about the flat hair because, you know, it's drag race. And when we think drag, we think big, you know, the higher the hair, the closer to God. But even in with the hair just being straight and flat like that, it fucking works for her. Uh-huh. So well. So amazingly well. So I say that all in just, you know, good jest. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it just fell flat uh, there. So that brings us up to the most recent episode, which uh, we're recording this on Saturday. So it's been out for two days now. And this was, I thought this was a, a clever twist on how they've done like stuff like this before. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like UK, they kind of take chances and in, in shaking up the way that we're used to seeing things before in ways that they don't do on the US version currently. I would agree. Yeah. And so this time around, they had the girls pair up with who they felt their best Judy in the competition was, and then pitted them against each other. (laughs) It was brilliant. It was brilliant because you know why sometimes that happens in real life where there's, you, you buddy up with somebody who does what you do and together you're such an exciting duo, but eventually you get pitted against each other. Absolutely. 
And yeah. I thought it was such a good lesson for that too. Like, oh, also get ready because you're all going to be torn apart compared to each other. And then you're going to have to figure out who gets what at the end of the day. For sure. So they, uh, the boxes were distributed five sets of colors and they had to construct outfits. And then Rue decided who wore it best. And the winner of the who wore it best was safe with the winner being chosen and the other five were up for elimination. I, at first I was like, wait a minute when Rue said, you know, the other, the other people would be up for elimination elimination. I was like, Oh God, are we going to have a five person lip sync? Cause I thought so too. I was like, not again, please. (laughs) We saw how well that worked out in uh, what was that season? Was that 11? It was 11. Yeah. That was, that was too much. That was a little too much. So, yeah, well, it was like a, I don't know what the hell, it was like a gangbang. You couldn't focus on one thing, and you felt like no matter which way you turned, you were going to end up getting fucked in the end. Like, <laughs> uh, So, <laughs> um, I know this one just came out, so this one's a, a little fresher, but a little, like, you know, with so much drag going into your heads. Um, were there any standouts for you? I felt like Ellie, Ellie Diamond should have won. I know, like, Lawrence's outfit was beautiful, but to me it was, um, it was one that was just, it wasn't simple. I don't want to say simple. That's the wrong word. To me, it wasn't as visually impressive as Ellie's. And, yeah, it was kind of a costume, but you know what? It's drag. And drag queens wear costumes. We are not fashion models walking the runway in Paris. Not everything has to be sleek and and sophisticated. Sometimes it can just be fun. And I felt like hers was beautiful and fun and she looked stunning. So I really do think that Ellie should have won. And I also really, really, really liked Ahura's. I thought Ahura looked stunning. You mean... Fire needles from uh, season four's ball, uh, bitch ball challenge. Hey, you know what? You take what works for you and you make it new again. Like she was gorgeous to me. She looks like a George Delano. Uh, well, I will say she looks like her, but she gives me those adore Delano vibes. Um, and I, I really kind of, I'm, I'm attracted to her in that way. I really like it. Uh, but this was the first time that I was really excited about what she did. And I felt like her and, Ellie should have been the top two with Lawrence a very close third. Okay. I I would like to agree on uh, Ahura giving you Adore vibes, but I sadly don't like her on the show. I'm not saying she's a bad person. I just, there's something about her demeanor that just does not resonate with well, she's demeanor than a door. <laughs> but she still gives me those kind of vibes. True, true. I just, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. There, There's this, I don't want to use the word arrogance because then Candy Muse is going to come busting through my door and yell at me. Uh, but there is, <laughs> <laughs> there is this just feel about, about her that, I don't know. I, I but I, I will you're right. She did a fantastic job in the challenge and and rightfully so looked fantastic. Brian, any standouts from uh the uh the who wore it best runway for you? 
I mean, I totally am agreement in agreement. Ellie should have won, uh, but I loved uh, uh, Lawrence's look. Uh, Bemini is probably my favorite for this. I really did like that uh, look. And I have to give uh, Jenny Lemon kudos for trying to meet the challenge she was given. I don't think that I actually prefer her normal look to what she did here. However, I think there's somewhere in between the two looks that she could kind of uh, work towards that would be uh, maybe a little bit more uh, embracing of her femininity side of her non-binary without giving up the zany, fun, uh, ridiculousness that she otherwise does. So I have to give her credit for trying uh, really well. Uh, I think that's what helped her in this situation more. Uh, Do you know who she kind of, like, what she kind of gave me the vibes of Tracy Lord's in Crybaby Oh with with that hair, I was like, "This is like a Tracy Lords and Crybaby as seen through the lens of <laughs> of like some really cool pop artist." You know what I mean? Like it was all these bright colors and kind of weird angles, but it was so familiar that it was very reminiscent of that. I I loved that. I thought it was very simple, so I thought it was fine that she placed where she placed, but it was really exciting, and I thought it was really fun. And I think that that's what they were applauding Ginny on was she really kind of embraced the challenge and ran with it, even though she fell short of the mark. Whereas Astina, this was something that she should have really excelled at and she just dropped the ball. So I have an interesting question for, for Ginger specifically. Do you feel sometimes that the storylines sort of inform and shape some of the choices that are made in terms of who goes home? Because I feel like in this example, Jenny took the idea that was put out to her very blatantly and ran with it in a way to try to kind of like make that a thing. Whereas she could have just ignored it and done something that would have been like, whatever. Like, do you feel sometimes that that's kind of how these things shake out? Um, I don't want to say that it is that the storyline kind of dictates what happens in the season, because Honestly, whatever does end up happening dictates what the storyline is. But of course, there like there are challenges within challenges, and if you're perceptive, you pick up on them when you're in the room. When they say we want to see something like this from you, give it to them because you know it's something that will be exciting. It's something that they can talk about, and it's something that hopefully will show them that you're willing to work on it and and be something like be bigger and better than you ever thought you could be and i think that that's exactly what this challenge for jenny lemon was it was we've seen this and it's great that's why you're here but what if you just kind of showed us something sexy and i think that that's exactly why they they applauded her for it and they gave her extra points for it even though it wasn't great she really took the challenge on. My only comment on that is I wonder, and and we know it's a television show and we know that when it comes down to it, there's a lot of decisions made behind the scenes. And um, I, I am with Ginger not wanting to say that certain things are done for certain reasons. Um, but more so for me, because I don't want that pink World of Wonder van to come screeching up uh, to my building <laughs> and, and you know, have them come try to take me away. But <laughs> we've seen it so many times where a queen is is 
quote unquote challenged to do something different than what they normally do. And they immediately go home for it because they're not equipped to do that in such a short turnaround time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, what's that? Oh, Derek Barry. Yes. I was going to say milk um, because this, I think milk is the closest allegory to Ginny in this episode because Milk was the quirky, weird, let's do a Pinocchio nose, let's do a, a, a goat beard, let's do whatever. And then they were like, we want glam on this next runway. Like, we want to see this. And she came out in that really bad dress with the big safety pin holding it together in the back. And that's kind of how I feel Ginny was with this. It was um, like, CJ, I'm 100% with you on it was an ill-fitting tube dress and it did not look right. And the makeup was not on point for giving any type of sexy feminine glamazon energy that they were challenging her with. I applaud her for taking on the challenge, but I really thought it was going to be centered into a direction of you're going to be bottom two, but we'll keep you around to continue your story because you took this challenge on. But I, I, I'm glad that Ginny, got that experience and got the positive feedback that was needed. And I was glad to see it happen in that way where it wasn't necessarily um, done to kind of be like, Oh, look, you can't do this that there, they did show so many positive responses from the judges on her as a person to help build her up rather than tear her down. Well, and I think it was very well stated by Rue and Michelle and the judges. Look, you if you were just walking out here based on this look, you would probably be in the bottom two. But we're giving you extra points because you tried something so different. Um, so I think that that's really kind of the caveat there that I can understand and kind of get behind. Not to mention, I just really am infatuated with Jenny Lemon and I don't want her to go anywhere. So maybe I'm just doing mental gymnastics to be like, no, you deserve to stay, bitch. Make a tube dress every day. Stay here and talk to me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. So now I'm one last question on the UK stuff before we go back to stateside. Now, just one. Ginger, this is the only <sighs> time I'm only time I'm gonna make sure that I say this just one. Who with the remaining queen? So we've lost uh, in the past three episodes, we have lost Joe Black and then Cherry Valentine and then Ass Tina. It makes me feel like ex Tina, but with ass. It did shock me that she left though since she won the first week. I really thought she was a front runner. Right? I I'm surprised too. Uh, but with the remaining queens, who is your pick if you were to choose right now? And I know it's tough because we like so many of them. But pick one queen who you would say could win this competition today. Ginger? Well, I think... Okay, so who I want is Lawrence and who I think it will be is Bimini. Okay. Brian? I think I my choice is Veronica Green right now because she's just uh, evolving and still doing such an amazing work. I, I, I think she's the one to watch. I changed my answer to Veronica Green. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my choice is uh, Lawrence Cheney. I really would like to see Lawrence win it. Uh, but I would not be surprised, like you said, Ginger, if uh, Bimini is the one that ends up walking away with the title. 
All right. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. It's the first season in a long time where I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? Why isn't this on Netflix so I can binge it? <laughs> uh, well, we hope that you guys are enjoying this episode of Flame On and all the other great podcast entertainment that we put out for you here and on the entire nerdy show slash omniverse network if you would like to check us out online go to our website flameonshow.com and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms just scroll to the bottom click on any of the chicklets there and you can follow us on the platform of your choice if you would like to help support flame on you can do so by joining us over at patreon.com forward slash flame on show and uh, joining at one of our levels, we're going to be introducing new tiers for you to join very, very soon. So keep an eye out for that and support your favorite podcast. And then come back to our Patreon and then support us. But, you know, even if, we, if we're not your favorite, we still want you to support. Mm-hmm. New tiers. Is one of those tiers sad, sad tears of a clown? Oh, my God. That'd be phenomenal. <laughs> I totally should do it. Totally should do it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, moving stateside. Season 13 in pastel colors. So we have got uh, 13, not 14, like we're originally talked about but hey we're not going to talk about that person that got sent home before even unpacking their wigs and uh (laughs) we uh we were treated to a covid friendly opening uh salvo from this uh this cast and they were introduced in pairs except for the last one which was three but that's a different story with uh sometimes a couple becomes a throuple listen I am not here to yuck on anybody's yum. So no, not at all. Whatever floats your boat. It was a very interesting throuple of uh, Kamora, Tina, and uh, Elliot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, with these lovely 13 contestants, first of all, with uh, this season filming during a pandemic with all these COVID regulations, because I mean, the episodes we've seen of UK so far, were filmed prior to um, it being considered a worldwide outbreak of this pandemic. I won't even say before the pandemic started because stuff was going on before, you know, 
the UK and the US decided to, you know, get their shit together. If you could even say that we have, but uh, <laughs> I'm in Florida. I can assure you, no, we haven't. <laughs> but this is our first look at uh, Drag Race with COVID uh, bubbles and COVID guidelines in place. So um, I know that Brian, Eric, and I, for some exclusive Patreon con- content, talked a little bit about the premiere episode and how uh, we thought about it. Uh, but Ginger, what did y'all think about how this first episode was handled in doing uh, six lip sync extravaganzas to welcome us to the new season 13 cast? I didn't really care for it, to be completely honest. I felt like the idea was nice, but there were no stakes to it. You know what I mean? Like, I sat back watching it going, well, nobody's really in any kind of danger because they're not going to send home half of the cast in the first episode. (laughs) So you're like, "Uh, I don't think anybody's going home, so I'm not really emotionally invested at this point. But listen, the lady said go home. (laughs) <laughs> Tamisha, Iman, it's coming for you. <laughs> Holla at me, you know my name. Holla at me, you know my name. And now, the, <laughs> now the lady said go home, so go home. <laughs> I love her. I love her to death. And I I know a lot of these girls, so sitting and watching them in this first episode was really fun. It was fun to see the lip syncs on the first day. But to me, my favorite part about any season of Drag Race is the entrances. It's watching the girls come in one by one, striking a pose, saying their catchphrase, and then getting to know the other girls and sizing up the competition. That is the best part of any season to me. And I felt like we were deprived of that with the way that this was set up. I would have almost preferred that everybody made their entrances and then they paired off. Yeah, I can understand that for sure. It, it, the only thing I will say that I did enjoy was the fact that the judges got to meet them a little bit more right off the bat because the judges only get to see them on the runway unless they're directing something or, you know, they're doing something as part of um, the challenge with them. Yeah, so I did. I did enjoy them having a little bit of one on one time with the judges early on. But, yeah, I totally agree with you that it's always fun to watch the dynamic build right off the bat with these girls. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's also, it's really compelling to watch them either succeed or fail. Nobody wants to be the first one to go home. And so that's why the first episodes are always so exciting from beginning to end. You've got the excitement of the entrances and then you have the disappointment of the first girl getting sent home. And to me, like there wasn't either one of those things. in that first episode so it felt like it just kind of started in the middle and ended in the middle absolutely yeah you get all of the um all of the heightened emotion of like oh god there's a lip sync and then none of the payoff yeah (laughs) so we just ended up with you know blue balls for the first three episodes as we uh went from and I, i I loved how it was described on Race Chaser where they, uh, I think it was Willem who was saying, you know, we always sit there and go, you know, we want to know these girls more. We want them to have more screen time. We want to see them more. And then about three episodes in, we're like, okay, we're enough of this. Can somebody go home, please? (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. Like, I actually really enjoyed 
episodes two and three. I thought that was great. It was just that first episode didn't really pack a punch. It felt more like an extended Meet the Queens. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you're right. And if we had skipped that first episode and just had them split up into two pairs, like to two groups, like we've done before in season 12 and in season six. Mm-hmm. So it's been done before. It would have been a whole different experience. We would have had those episodes. You would have had the top two. You got a, a cash prize. Nobody would have gone home. And we would have had a little more time with these these queens where that first episode just did feel very superfluous and just it, it, like it wasn't needed. But at the same time, it, it appears that uh, VH1, Viacom, whatever you want to say, uh, inked a deal for more episodes of this season. So we're being treated to more episodes where the first three, nobody goes home. Well, see, and I think that it would have been like just me, if I was a producer, I would have sat back and gone, okay, this idea is great. So let's make all the girls make their entrances because that's such an iconic part. That's what people look forward to. And then two by two or two by three, we will take them to the main stage still do the lip sync battles and split off into two groups. So you're either group A or group B and then group A does what group A did. They do their song on the second episode. Group B does their song on the third episode. There's a way that you could have made all of that work while still keying into some of those more iconic um, drag race staples. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So getting into this cast, We'll do this just like we did with the UK girls. Uh, <laughs> I will I will say one, but uh, feel free to, you know, utilize your your uh, season seven and your all-stars uh, passes. Well. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm really excited that Mick is there because Mick actually... Um, has painted my face several times. She worked on my face during uh, my my shoot from my first album cover with Matthew Ooh. Anderson because uh, he was actually uh, mentoring with Matthew Anderson at that point uh, for makeup. And so they worked together on my face and they made me look gorgeous. And then a couple years later, Mick painted me for Jiggly's um, All That Body music video. And then the year after that, uh, she ended up painting me for the Dumplin' premiere in Hollywood. So we've worked together several times, and I really, really love him as a person. And I love her as a character because she's so strikingly beautiful. So interesting to look at. So I'm very excited to see Mick there. Um, I'm also very excited that Tina's there because Tina's a part of our comedy queen sisterhood. We've yeah. known Tina for years. We're, I'm excited that she's there. I'm not really sure that she is coming across as she really is in real life. Because yeah. to me, like, I just, I know her so well. I know what her personality is. And it's not being portrayed that way. And I don't necessarily think it's the editing. I just think that sometimes there's, there's a disconnect whenever the camera's right in front of you. And I think she's kind of falling prey to that a little bit. Um, And I'm also very, very excited about uh, Simone, who I I really didn't know anything about going into the season. But, like, 
everything about her from the promo to what she's done so far is always really exciting and really campy, but in a fashionable, pretty way. And that's always what I like that speaks to the type of drag that I've always tried to do. Keep it campy and fun, but try to do it in a little more fashionable way. And I think she's really nailing that. I love it. Brian, who uh, who are some of your takeaway faves from season 13? So I agree 100% Gottmik is amazing. I've been watching his YouTube videos on recreating each look, learning uh, his makeup mastery, which is so impressive. Uh, following him on social media and seeing those videos, it's just it's 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 just amazing to see really high high craftsmanship uh, of any of anything, but especially of makeup. Uh, and then, yeah, so much fun, so so uh, so innovative in in the in the fashion as well. Which uh, this most the third episode kind of got into a little bit of that and some really cool looks. I think Olivia Lux is very overlooked. I she's love beautiful. Her. She she's beautiful. She is an amazing voice uh, as and and is a musician out. I mean, singer and other instruments. And I I, I resonate with that obviously. Uh, I also really love Utica, even though Utica is complicated, but that's why I think I like her. Yeah. Her, her religious background uh, as I think Seventh-day Adventist uh, and the, the quirky queen, you know, kitschy influences, a lot of which I love. I me, mean, Carol Burnett was huge for me, you know. Me too. Up, right? So like I resonate with all of that. I also love, I, I think it was the third episode, the third or second episode where they Rue asked her if she'd ever smoked weed. Uh-huh. And the reactions that she gave that whole sequence was I, perfect. Like a lot of us who have religious backgrounds, when we're asked about certain things, if, if we've done this or that, that other people wouldn't even like blanch at like admitting to that was totally <laughs> taking me back to those moments in my life. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I think those are my uh, those are my favorite. Oh, and Denali, I'll give an honorable mention to Denali because Denali, like I don't know a lot about her, but from my Chicago friends uh, and just people who who you know who know her and just the ice skating influence, all of that is is pretty uh, remarkable uh, to me. But uh, you know, I, I I I'm curious to see uh, you know where that takes her, and uh, I love the the, the Mexican uh, influence, the Day of the Dead stuff she did uh, in that third episode too. So yeah, that's all. I when she rolled out in ice skates my heart stopped (laughs) because all I could think of was oh my god she is dulling the edges of those blades so bad so bad I was I grew up skating I grew up as a hockey player and the one thing you were like forbidden to do is to step on like concrete Mm -hmm. in your in your skates because it kills the the edge and you need those edges in order to, you know, to, to turn and to do like pretty much anything. You go onto uh, ice on, on dull blades and you just basically fall over. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when she walked in with those, I was like, oh, God, those edges of those blades. And then I was like, oh, God, the floor. <laughs> <laughs> she was snatching edges and dulling blades. Um, yeah, no, uh I agree with that, but I think it was also really fun to see her lip syncing that because she still really turned it out. And as somebody who has stepped foot on that runway, it is so slippery. It practically is ice. So I would I wouldn't be surprised if she was doing like a 
a triple lux, a sow cow, whatever the hell you call this shit. <laughs> and the fact that she was doing cartwheels in them on the on the runway, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm impressed. Not only in her ability to work around all of that, but uh, for the fact that the the uh, crew did not, you know, try to take her knees out when she stepped onto the runway <laughs> in escape. Um, <laughs> so y'all have really just picked like all of the people that I was going to say. Um, Tina, I was so stoked when um, the rumor mill had started about her being there because she is the reigning Miss National Comedy, National Miss Comedy Queen. Yeah. Uh, because she wasn't able to step down because there was no pageant in uh, 2020. So it's... Uh, well, I told her, I told her one day, I was like, girl, it took you three years to reign, or uh, three years to win and four years to reign. <laughs> you know, and, and I shouldn't say there wasn't a pageant. Um, uh, Locke and Addison did put together the uh, Miss Quarantine Comedy Queen pageant, which was adorable to watch and was fantastic. I, I got to watch that. Uh, but I 1 million percent agree with you, Ginger. The way I think she's portraying herself, I don't think it's the edit, just like you said. I think it's the pressure of needing, wanting to be on and really have that, that camera on you all the time. I'm going to go back to one of, I think, our first uh, interviews that we did with you, Ginger, where you were talking about season seven and you had said that, you know, you know when that red light's on on the camera that you know you're by you're getting screen time so you would say and do and you know you would try to draw that that light to you to make sure that you got screen time and i feel mm-hmm. like not everybody handles that well they want to do it but they don't always handle it well yeah i, think, I agree with you yeah i think that's a little bit of what's happening with tina which is sad to see because um I don't think she's done anything that's been, oh my God, like I, I think, you know, it's horrible, but seeing her getting, you know, negative backlash from, you know, shitty people sucks. So Well, the Tina that we know is just so fun and funny and always has a joke and is always there to make you feel good about yourself. And I don't feel like that's really coming across. She's coming across as more of like a, let me sit in the back and stir the shit pot a little bit like that's that's a part of who she is but that's not all of who she is and i'm really sad that some of the lighter moments aren't coming out yeah i do enjoy the fact that they have shown her mick and candy in positive lights in helping each other when they were helping uh when mick and tina were helping candy put the trains outfit together Mm -hmm. uh like things like that i really enjoy seeing because i would rather see moments like that lighter more positive moments than them just tearing each other down all the time so yeah it was it was nice to see things like that but they're not as prominent as some of the shit stirring that that they're trying to bring the drama for yeah Um, and i also have to say like i don't understand where all of this ketchup and mustard color palette is coming from with her i get it your name is tina burner it's about fire i get it i get it but she was never like that before she left to do the show it like occasionally she'd wear a nice flame red wig and that was pretty but to me it's a little bit too 
it's a little too Ronald McDonald-y yeah. on television. It's a little too much compared to the surroundings. If everybody else was coming out in crazy color palettes all the time, it wouldn't be as noticeable. But unfortunately, she's coming out in a combination of red, yellow, and orange every single week for almost every single thing. And it's just kind of blending together and it's a little too much to look at. And I just, I hope she doesn't do that the entire season. I hope she gives us a couple of things that are really beautiful with some cool colors. Yeah. And I mean, there have been some, uh, some looks that have gone away from it. And those are the ones that I enjoy more. I don't mind the red, orange, yellow, but like you said, once in a while, but with it being her confessional look and so far, almost every uh, workroom has been all that red, orange and yellow. It, it's just, it is a lot. The Oscar yeah. Mayer Wiener company doesn't use that much red, yellow and orange in their packaging, you know, no. per year. so it's, yeah, it's, well, and crazy. I've seen her and like, she looks so gorgeous in blue gowns with red hair or like green gowns with nice brown hair. Like I, these are the things I'm used to seeing her in. And I think the cooler tones work so much better on her. So it's kind of, unfortunate it well it's not unfortunate but in my opinion she's just not playing to her strengths when she sticks to that color palette yeah no i i absolutely agree with you absolutely agree with you um i am excited to see more of denali uh i think i don't remember if we were talking about it when uh when the recording had started or if it was prior to but the uh, Chicago Drag Excellence video that she just... So good. Oh, so, so fantastic. good. Um, I love the the fact that they used 100% pure love. Uh, I, I know it was tied to the lip sync, but that's just a song that, I mean, come on. As, as, as queers, that's just like our blood. As soon as that song starts, it just, we are, we're given new life. And, um, <laughs> well, I guarantee you, in every living room of every homosexual in the land, nobody knew who won that lip sync because they were too busy lip syncing around the living room themselves. <laughs> That's what we were doing in our house. Girl, we were going from the back to the middle and around again and again and again. And it ended, and they were like, Denali, you win. I said, what What does she do? And then I watched it <laughs> back and went, oh, she did literally everything. Oh my god, it was hysterical because Oral loves um, loves that song, and I remember. Oh god, I, I think it it had to have been what maybe like the twentieth anniversary of the song, or there was something like that. And um, Crystal Waters was on the Wendy Williams show, and it was just such a sad performance. But you know, we're still. It, it was you know, Oral and myself were like, okay, we're we're down. And as soon as that lip sync was over. I texted him and I was like, girl, you have got <laughs> to watch this lip sync. I was like, from the performance to the song to everything. I was like, I was like, that girl did not need to go as hard as she did. She did not need to murder that child on national television. <laughs> but she did. And I was living for it. So he was like, as soon as you find it, he's like, send me the link. Because I know that, you know, especially as of late, after it premieres on the West Coast, 
Facebook, Instagram, they post it up there. I was like, I got you. As soon as it's up, I'm sending it to you. And I sent it over to him the next morning. And he was like, oh, bitch, you were right. It was so <laughs> good. So good. That poor girl did not need to be murdered like she was. But it led to that video. And uh, seeing some fantastic faces uh, including uh, Lucy Stool, who I know. That, oh, I uh, love Lucy so much. Yeah, I know Brian has seen her when he was in Chicago. I saw Lucy at the um, the Black Lives Matter march that they they put together, the Drag uh, March for Justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a speaker, uh, seeing the Vixen, and uh, you know, just you know, who was not in there that I did not see? I don't think Dita Ritz was in there. Was well, that she makes not? Me I don't know. I got to go back and look because I don't remember anybody talking about Dita. And I love me some Dita Ritz. Um, I do too. And uh, now Chicago Adopted Detox was in the video, which I was like, oh, I love Dita. <laughs> me too. So good. So good. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm excited once it's uh, once we're able to go out and you know actually do things again. I'm excited to see Denali in person and, and actually get to see her perform because the lip syncing videos uh, while ice skating and the videos that she's putting out, it feel it makes me feel like Jan um, back in season, in season 12 with Jan's jukebox. Uh-huh. She's putting out these videos, you know, right after. And they just made me fall in love with Jan more and more. And the same thing is happening with Denali in these videos. I uh, should have done one on season seven where I just got drunk in a bar after every episode and call it Ginger, <laughs> Ginger's Ale. <laughs> oh my God, that would be great. <laughs> of course, I don't drink anymore. Um, you don't drink anymore? It has been a year and a month. Oh, congratulations. Wow. That's Thank awesome. you. Yeah, quarantine's a perfect time to stop drinking. <laughs> it's so weird. I I have not stopped drinking per se, but <laughs> going from working in a bar many nights a week to not working in a bar and being in a pandemic in a new city, I have my drinking has gone down to like absolute minimal, and it's so weird. It's such a different feeling. So I. I congratulate you on uh, on a year and a month of uh, not drinking. That's awesome. Thanks. It's it's actually been really good. Like the catalyst for it was I had Gidget and I had done a New Year's Eve show last year, and I saw pictures from it the next day, and I was so bloated, and I also didn't remember taking that picture. Like I didn't remember anything that surrounded that picture. So it's like, you know what will cure this? Both of these things, not drinking. So I stopped drinking and suddenly I can remember things and I'm not quite as bloated all the time. Well, I'm glad it's helped your memory. I haven't been drinking a lot and I still can't remember why I walk into the kitchen most days. Well, I think that's just some, like that's just human nature. Cause I <laughs> never realize why I walk into the kitchen. <laughs> This is true. This is true. That's uh, that's one of those things where I was talking about uh, my neighbor has been sick and she's finally um, like really on the mend. And she's like, oh, I, I lost a, you know, a couple of days. I'm like, she's like, I can't remember what day it is most of the time. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, honestly, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> what I time I is a construct? Tear it apart. 
<laughs> yes, come through. Uh, uh, but aside from uh, Denali, I think having Mick on the show is a huge thing. Uh, one, for the fact that uh, he's the first trans person that's competing as an out trans person um, after having uh, any type of uh, gender affirming surgeries. Uh, because I know that it's come up in conversations before, but Pep is technically the first uh, trans contestant to compete on season nine. However, she still wasn't able to have uh, any gender affirming surgery before filming the show. So mm-hmm. that's a huge step forward. Um, we've now seen on All Stars having uh, some of the queens that have been on previous seasons who have had gender affirming surgeries compete. We saw it on the Christmas episode. Um, so I'm glad to see these steps being taken to uh, to to be broader in that respect. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And I think that, you know, it, it, there are, it's never too late to learn. And it's never too late to open your mind. Not change your mind, but open it. Yeah, because absolutely. like, And I really kind of feel like, through everything that's been going on, maybe RuPaul and and those on her team have had their minds opened to all of these because they've seen what contributions the trans community have has made to the drag community. Like they are such an integral part of what we do. So I I'm glad to see that it's shifting and it's changing and it's becoming a little more open and a little more acceptable for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you know, you know, as well as anybody else that my favorite type of drag is, I know that it's not politically correct to say bio queen anymore, but that's, that's what it was always. That's how I was referred to. And it was always explained to me, but AFAB queens, that's what, that's what it is. Um, I love the AFAB queen drag. I love when feminine women can heighten that femininity. Femininity. That's a lot of ends in one word. Femininity. (laughs) When they can heighten that and and serve something totally different, like Venus Envy here in Orlando, Mm -hmm. or Crim Fatale out in California, like they're just so talented at what they do. And I, I don't know. I just, there's something about that that really gets to me. So I'm excited that they're getting a little more recognition as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I have to agree with uh, Thorgy Thor. I mean, Utica as uh, as a one who I wasn't expecting to enjoy as much as I do. Um, absolutely gives me Thorgy Thor in confessionals. Well, yeah, it's like Thorgy Thor is Barbie and Utica is Kid Skipper, <laughs> like her. And I don't, I don't mean that shady. Like I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying, like she reminds me of Thorgy Thor's little sister. Yeah, yeah, yep, totally see that. And it it reminds it it gives me Thorgy Thor without the mental hangups going. Into- <laughs> Yeah. And and a lot of that, I mean, if if Thorgy had a run without Bob on the season, you know, it wasn't focused on on that kind of competition, I think Thorgy could have excelled more than she did on the show. 
And I, I think Thorgy is fantastic. Thorgy has always been amazingly sweet to me when we've worked together. Super talented. I, I just think she's fantastic. Um, but Utica is definitely giving me a a much more carefree version of of that. And um, the fashion that she's brought to the runway, the things that she's done, um, the sleeping bag outfit from you know last night's episode, amazing. So it's it's definitely good to see uh, these things really kind of be propelled by by a queen who's kind of uh, quirky and out of the out, outside of the normal box. Let's say, yeah, absolutely. She's been very enjoyable, and just like you, I she wasn't completely on my radar whenever the cast was announced because I was so kind of entranced by the people that I had already had a previous working relationship with, you know, cause you look at it and you're like, this is my friend and they're going to be great. Da, 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 da. And I was skipping over her and a couple of the other girls that have really impressed me a lot. I think it, 13 is a very impressive cast. It's a great cast. And I feel like now that we're starting to get into the, the meat and potatoes of the season that it's turning out to be a fantastic season. It just got a slow start. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's, uh, let's chat about some of these runways. We're going to go, we'll skip past the first episode. We're not going to really sit here and, and go into their entrance looks and all of that. So in the second episode where we had the winner's circle, they had to put two looks together, their day into night looks for the mini challenge. Then they had to write and record their verse for the Drag Race Las Vegas theme song, Congratulations, with another look and performance. And then they hit the runway for their first uh, full runway look with La May You Stay. So we'll kick it over to Ginger with this episode two in our winner circle. Who were some standouts, positive or negative for you? Um, I thought that Mick had some of the most beautiful runways and challenge looks all around. I thought that they were really beautiful, well thought out. Each one served something different. I didn't hate her verse in the song, but I didn't love it. I thought it was very safe. And I thought that her her looks really kind of bumped her up in that episode for me. Um, I also really enjoyed Olivia Lux, that entire episode. All of her looks were beautiful. All of them were very different. I thought that her verse was fantastic. I thought she looked great during the musical number. And I really enjoyed her runway. And it, it was something that I thought was very unexpected for her to wear. And she really pulled it off. I thought it was beautiful. Um, I did not really care for Candy Muse's looks throughout the entire episode. I didn't love her verse in the song. I thought the verse was okay, but I felt like it was rushed. Like, sometimes it's you say more when you say less, and I feel like it would have been kinder on the ear it would have been better for her it would have been better all around if she had taken out some of what she wanted to say and found a more succinct way to say it yeah um but i did not care for the looks 
I didn't mind her LeMay You Stay runway. I thought it was cute, but we've all seen the that kind of Austin Powers Fimbot look before, and I think we've seen it, you know, a little more polished. Did not care for her daytime or nighttime looks, and I thought she she looked okay during the performance. She looked good, but I thought the verse just wasn't there for me. Yeah, I I liked her daytime look. I'm not a huge candy fan. But I liked the daytime look because it gave me something I wasn't expecting from her. Uh, I'm not saying it was my favorite look, but I, I enjoyed kind of that that striking, like, you know, uh, gothic-esque look. Um, but yeah, everything else I agree with you on as as far as the run the runways and her verse. I, I wasn't a huge fan of the LeMay You Stay look uh, because I thought it was too simple. And her uh, contragulations look, had a bit of uh, the no matchy syndrome going on where her, her torso definitely was much lighter than the tight color that she was wearing. Um, yeah. And it kind of throws off the, the aesthetic. Which that's really difficult. I mean, tights only come in a certain amount of colors and you, you sit over that, that boiling pot of tea trying to, to dye it to your shade <laughs> And sometimes you miss the mark. It happens to me all the time. It's real. It's a lot more difficult than people think to match your tights to your skin. For sure, for sure. I just it, when that kind of thing happens, I think there there are other ways that you could kind of give the illusion of the look without necessarily showing that much of the tight. I agree. That that, that's my only my only like nitpick, and it's it's not a huge one. But it, it does kind of it is sometimes a little jarring, especially because she was wearing those leopard gloves. So you're mm-hmm. like your eyes being like taken to a bunch of different tones, you know, that are quote unquote skin tone. And it, it was just a little it was a little off, but uh but I, I I personally did enjoy the daytime look. Brian, what were your highlights and uh or lowlights from this first runway with the absolutely. Hundred percent agree. Got mixed looks. Uh, specifically, my favorite is her daytime look uh, for the day night look challenge. I love that look so much. It's it's all the things I've wanted in like a a, a pride outfit, but like never seen. Like it's so different, and I love it. I, I that's it's of all the things that she's done. I think it's one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, her lame uh, uh, look. Uh, something very. Uh, cobra-esque about it like she could totally be a gi joe villainess in that outfit or something or a, like a thai goddess of destruction i don't know in any of it it was it's it's so good i love her looks um i think uh i was disappointed uh by candy's looks i just i don't know i'm sitting there like really i i mean okay i i don't know i just didn't get it uh, i mean i guess i got what she was trying for but it didn't it just didn't work uh tina's were fine i i I think her 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 uh her 10 man is is great is probably one of the better ones but i've seen other queens like detox do that maybe stronger um but you know not bad and then yeah that red yellow orange thing just kind of it there's uh so our friends that do uh the flame con up in new york city uh geeks out org their their mascot looks very much like uh uh tina's uh runway uh i don't know it's like a superhero sort of look uh so i don't know it, it just gave me like that 
uh, flashbacks uh, to the to those uh, those shows that uh, they have. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Mick killed it. Those are my favorites. I mean, Tina is a New York queen, so you never know. Mm, Might be plain con inspired. <laughs> we also haven't talked about Tina, but I do find it rather fascinating in just the way things work that Tina is on Drag Race right now. And simultaneously, her ex, Graham Norton, is uh, a judge on UK. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the universe is a simulation run by crazy people. I'm convinced of it. But this is just further proof in that column that this is this is is no coincidence. It's all it's all planned. It is interesting how some of the stuff overlaps, like Tina's Tin Man look and then uh, Ellie Diamond doing a Tin Man on, on Drag Race UK. Like there, there is some very interesting uh, overlaps with with these seasons. Some parallels. <laughs> um, I I'm in agreement on pretty much everything that you all have uh, have said. I did enjoy Olivia Lux and her um, Lizzo inspired tiny purses. Uh huh. <laughs> I think she looked fantastic. Uh, her Lemay look was gorgeous. Simone's uh, LeMay look, the boxer look, was fantastic. Um, Mick with the LeMay look. Uh, I forget the designer's name, but is... Diego Montoya. Diego Montoya also did work for Sasha Velour, and if I'm not mistaken, did um, the finale look for Sasha, where Mm -hmm. like that that kind of egg shape, the the pull-apart helmet, and Mm -hmm. it very much gave me... Sasha uh, Velour feels when I saw Mick come out in that outfit. I was like, okay, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. It was beautiful. It was really well done. And I loved, to me, it reminded me of celluloid. It looked like a bunch of film that had been ruched up together. That does, that. yeah, no, that makes sense. That, I can totally see where you're coming from with that. All right, going into episode three, we had the uh, the pork chop queens, the pork chop lounge girls. Mm-hmm. And they did a fashion runway as well with a lady and the vamp look. Uh, basically, day into night, just sluttier. And they recorded verses for RuPaul's track Phenomenon mm-hmm. and had a we're here, we're sheer, get used to it runway. Mm-hmm. Ginger, who were some standouts for you from the pork chop queens? I really liked Rosé. I loved that that kind of hand-painted look that she did. And she had the handbag that was the R, so it completed her name. Like, if you can't be a billboard for your yourself, how the hell are you going to be a billboard for somebody else? Can I get a gay man? <laughs> um, I thought that that was really nice. I loved her verse. I thought she did a great job all around. Um, I felt like Denali was really great and I really, I know that she had a hard time getting to the runway, but (laughs) I thought that Kimora's daytime look was so soft and beautiful. I really thought it, it was very simple, very clean, but so powerful. I really loved it. It looks so effortless. And I know that I know it's not, uh, but it just definitely looked so effortless. And yeah, it was fantastic. Kind of like Tamisha Amon's gown for the runway, 
was very simple. It seemed very effortless, but was just so stunningly beautiful. And I, I can only imagine what it looked like in person because I know what that fabric was. And sometimes, you know, the fabrics, they don't sparkle and shine on camera like they do in person. So I'm sitting there in my head going, no wonder Rue's losing her shit over it because it is gorgeous. That fabric is so beautiful in person. And I could also picture Rue wearing something like that. Oh, for sure. It, it, was, very, it was very that to me. And I thought it was a, a very smart choice for her. Yeah, no, 100% agree with you on that. Brian, any standouts for you from uh, the, the Pork Chop Queens on this day? Um, yeah, I think Denali, I think, was probably one of my favorites uh, overall. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, they were they were fine, I think. Uh, oh, actually, no, I will say. Denali, for sure. Utica's, I think, was, it, it, they didn't love it. I remember that. But I really thought it was great. I, I again, I, I gravitate towards those kind of like the the makeup where it sort of uh, has like this Dia de los Morta like kind of touches and and little aesthetic choices. I don't know. The color scheme is beautiful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I really. Uh... Oh, and I, I should go back. The the lady and vamp look for Utica also excellent, spectacular. Oh like yeah, her, she was fantastic that whole episode. Great contrast between her balls, <laughs> which I love her balls. They're amazing. And then her vamp look is something I, it really got like a, you know, Queen of Hearts sort of mad sort of, I don't know, forest creature. I don't know. It was great. Fantastic. I just really, really dig what she does. Well, I really loved her like Rita Repulsa tribute cosplay, mm. but not quite. Uh, nighttime look I thought it was it was great and it was very interesting to see her in something that was so dark because Mm -hmm. it it seemed like up to that point you know we hadn't seen a whole lot from her but it did kind of seem like oh she wouldn't go that dark but she did and it really paid off yeah I agree and I love the fact that it was the um, the balls the the plastic balls were quote unquote inflated because you know we know those aren't like blow up balls but they, they were spherical, and then they were deflated and crushed as part of her vamp look. So you had that, that plastic ball tie-in through, uh, through line for both looks. So I, yeah. I thought that was awesome. Rosé's vamp look, I loved. Absolutely yeah. loved that, that hat. So freaking good. Um, yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah, they, those were probably my two standouts for... The, uh, the Lady and Vamp runways. And then, like you said, Tamisha's outfit. In looking back at it, it definitely is... I can see where that that oomph is. Uh, because originally when I watched, I saw Rue's reaction and just her being so, so gagged and so stunned by it, I didn't necessarily get it. But hearing you talk about the fabric, Ginger, and I, I absolutely understand how... Things don't either photograph or, or video the same way that they look in person, for sure. Um, but it, it was it was fantastic, and uh, yeah, I, I they, everybody did a great job. I there is something about Kimura's hair that I don't necessarily understand. It and always seems like it's a little too big and a little too far forward for her. Maybe so it's. It, 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 yeah, it's the the proportion is off 
because her face is so beautiful, she needs something that rides back a little farther on on the forehead and pulls like the whole visual up. Because if I'm not mistaken, she is kind of she's on the shorter side, isn't she? I think so. I, I think she is, and being five foot four myself, like I understand you really have to create that illusion of height. And so sometimes when you wear your hair so bulky and so far forward and so high, it does the opposite effect of making you look taller. It makes you look really squat. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah, that it's, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not it's bad. Not it's just not, it's not proportioned correctly for her. Yeah. And I, I noticed it on the first episode and I was like, okay, that's the hair is, yeah, the hair is there. I get big pageant hair, but it just didn't work for her. And then it, it, with the sheer look, you know, it just, it was interesting. Uh, so CJ, on this uh, episode three, any standouts for you? Um, so episode three, yes. Um, I think that Joey J had a really cool kind of look uh, for the sheer look. Um her vamp look was kind of mad, but her sheer look was kind of cool. Um, who else? Um, I think Kamara kind of stood out a little bit with her vamp look. Um, it reminded me of Jujubee a lot. Oh yeah, um, I can see that. Like a lot. I think it had. I think it was the that the the silhouette she had in the red hair. Um, she really kind of reminded me a lot of Jujubee. Her sheer look was kind of boring, but Rose's vamp look was really awesome. Uh, the hat to me was the the was really cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So moving on into episode four, it was our first time where the queens were all in the same room together. Uh, so I know there was a lot of talk about how you couldn't have more than X number of people in the same room based off of union rules in LA, which this episode just completely you know, negated any of those talks because you had all 13 girls in the same room. Uh, but we loved it because, you know, the the winner circle gave the fake uh, let's let's give them dirty looks when they enter the room vibe and then everybody kikis and has a good time. So, hey. But <laughs> we go into the runway with trains, trains, trains for days. Well, first, can we say, like... Those sketches were so terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. And I understand the point of them is to not make a cinematic masterpiece. It's to literally give you the basic tools to try to create something memorable. But, oh my gosh, that those were kind of painful. I'm so glad to hear you say that because... I uh, I don't know. I wonder sometimes about the quality of some of the production. Not a lot of it, but just like some of the writing and some of the music. But like, I, I don't know where they're coming from. Like you said, I think it is just to give raw materials. But it's also sort of supposed to be, I don't know, topical. It's just weird. This one was really out there and not entertaining. 
I agree. And I, it's actually, when I saw the description for the episode, it's the one that I was really excited about because if anybody knows me, I am a Christmas queen. I love my Hallmark movies. I love everything about the holidays and everything that that encompasses. So I was excited to see an acting challenge that I thought was going to be based around those cheesy movies where every single one is the same. It's the same characters played by different people. And then we ended up getting this, which had nothing to do with that prompt. It's like, oh, we're going to do April Fool's Day and Flag Day. And I get it. I just felt like it would have been stronger if you would have played to what those movies really stereotypically are. Oh, I'm sad that I feel that I'm the only one that... um that actually enjoyed the RuPaul Mark movies. <laughs> I thought they were absolutely terrible. And, and you know, some of that blame has to go to the girls because it's only as memorable as you make it. Everybody had the same opportunity as Simone to say flag factory. You know, like <laughs> it's about finding those little things that can set you aside and make you stand out in a good way. And most of them just didn't do that. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And it's always so awkward because I know a lot of people online have talked about like, oh, there these um, these movies are are so old, and these girls, you know, most of these girls are so young, and it's not the same cultural touch points and references and and all of that. And I, I get it to a certain extent. Because, yes, as we carry on, we're now in the year 2021, you know, these movies were getting further and further away from them being cultural touch points. But at the same time, if you know that in watching and seeing previous seasons where there's an acting challenge and there's going to be these references, have a basic understanding of... Before you go, before you even fly out, you are given a list of recommended viewing material and it's always the same stuff it's always mommy dearest and uh paris is burning and all of these things that drag race references over and over again it's on your suggested reading list and viewing list when you get cast on the show at least it used to be i mean i remember for season seven and all stars two the front page of both of those packets was please familiarize yourself with this before you get here interesting Ooh, behind the scenes intel i love it and i also like i've i've turned this over in my head so many times like why are the the sketches so basic they're not bad they're just basic and then it dawned on me oh this is to kind of prepare you for the actual acting world of a drag queen because nine times out of ten when you get offered a role or an audition for a tv show or a movie or whatever it is always the most watered-down, bland, stereotypical, palatable-to-the-straits version of drag. <laughs> and it's up to you to take that boring, basic-ass bitch of a character and turn it into something that is memorable that people like. And I think that that's what the challenge really is there. I think that's what they're trying to do with these. But... Unless you have a cast full of actresses, you need to give them a little more material to work with. No, you're you're right. And 
I what I didn't realize kind of at first was that they're not meant to be full scenes. You're basically turning filming a movie into filming bits and pieces of a trailer. Yes. You know, you're you're working backwards where you're you're acting quote unquote for the, the trailer bits and pieces versus okay, we've made this movie now we take those parts and you know cut and splice and edit. So it it was interesting. And I guess it wasn't so much that I, I enjoyed the content. I just enjoyed some of the the performances more so than others and watching Kimura be in full body with a breastplate in a, a <laughs> green bodysuit. Uh, getting... But what was I telling you earlier? That's how I feel when I do drag. Even if you don't see it, I don't feel like I am myself until I have my, my tits and my hips and my ass and everything on. Mm-hmm. And it just, it made me laugh in a sense because I was like, oh God, is this going to be the running like thing now that the, uh, the first queen home is going to be in a green bodysuit with a breastplate with really perky nipples. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's interesting how, how that all came together. But um, I, I thought they were, I thought they were kitschy. And I think that some of the girls really did a good job. Like you were saying, Simone with uh, the flag factory, <laughs> Like that was fantastic, and she really capitalized on the moment. Um, Rose and Tina really were able to to give it their all and and really showcase talent there. Yeah, so. I thought it was Tina's best moment so far. I thought she was really great, and I felt like she probably deserved to be in the top. I I think you're right. I would probably have to agree with you on that. I CJ, I, I start that. <laughs> um, so after the trailers were directed by Ross Matthews, we go to the runway and we are treated to the trains, trains, trains on the runway. And uh, yeah, let's go over to you, CJ. What were some of your thoughts on the trains runway? Um, I think Elliot with uh, two T's kind of reminded me a lot of Ginger's uh, leather and lace look because um, it was that white that white bodysuit that really kind of had that lacy look to it with that big white train in the back. Um, but I think my favorite, favorite, favorite look for that was um, Got Mix with the, the trans pride flag as her fabric. Um, and I think she looked amazing. Her makeup was stunning. The the hair, the jewelry, just it all kind of really worked very well for that runway. Mick's makeup was stunning. And I mean, Mick's makeup always looks good, but I loved the pink and blue to go with the, the trans pride colors with the, the fabric. That makeup was just oh, so good. And that wasn't even... Yeah. Mix train outfit that was mixed no. sheer, sheer runway well here's yeah. the here's the tea about that is apparently more than half the cast had to change their trains runway because they all came with a literal train inspired outfit <laughs> i love that i think that is so hilarious and i saw got mix uh, on instagram the uh, the original train outfit 
but yet Tina managed to sort of blend the two worlds there. So like, that's good. I don't know. It's, it's, was she like the only one that did still keep like a literal train? I think she is the only one that kept that. But the thing about Tina's was I felt like it was two different outfits. I felt like, (laughs) I felt like the, the dress of it was, really beautifully done um, and it just pretty to look at. It was nice on her. And then the train looked like a totally different outfit that had been tacked to the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I well, think it was the fabric and color choice. Well, that's what I was going to say about um, Rosé's look. It looked like it was a suit that she had that she said, Oh, let me put some tool on this and make it really long. And look, now I have a train on it and it just, it kind of looked like, felt like it was um, a cheap way of repurposing something that she may have already had. And you know what? We're in the middle of a pandemic. So these girls did a hell of a job trying to get shit together when they could and how they could. But I agree with you in the sense that it just wasn't what it should have been. It didn't read well. And if, if, you know, what you're saying with, them having to kind of come up with something on the spot. We were only really shown candy having to change on the fly. But if they got there and it was like, okay, everybody's got a train conductor outfit. All right, let's, you know, let's do something different or we have to do something different. I could understand where these outfits look a little disjointed for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just sucks for them, you know? And again, like you were saying, Ginger in the middle of a pandemic, you know, you're not, you don't have, a ton to work with to begin with. So you're, you're putting this stuff together and doing a great job. And then you have to change on the fly. It, it definitely is a little bit tougher to, uh, to well, how we learned during all of this that like, even for our digital shows, we would order things from Amazon prime and it wouldn't show up for a month or two, even though it said, Oh, guaranteed delivery by Monday. You know, and so you're scrambling at the last second trying to come up with something else and figure it all out. And I'm sure they must have been getting ready around, or like, they must be getting ready around that same time period. So, like, probably, like, June, July, in the thick of everything, when nothing was available anywhere. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, any standouts for you on uh, the train runway? I love Got Mix, of course. I also thought that Olivia Lux's look with the ruffles and the lyre are, it was just stunning. And I really, really love that look. Um, I think the only one that I, oh, and Simone, I, if, like, I didn't really make a point of it before, but Simone blew me away with the boxer look as well. This look with the do rag train, like, inspired, fantastic, so thrilled that she could, uh, she could bring that uh, to to the audience. Just but that's different. exactly what I was talking about. Like it's exciting when you know she's about to turn the corner because you don't know what she's going to wear. You just know it's going to be definitely her point of view, and it's going to be really cool. Yes, absolutely. No, she's she's definitely someone to. Uh, I think she's definitely a top three at this point. Uh, I don't see any reason yet to see any weakness or or a uh, lack of preparation. I think her and Gottmik, uh, and maybe Tina or Olivia or someone else. I think those are my current favorites for like a top three. Uh, so yeah, those are my favorites for this. I don't, I don't think uh, Utica's was successful. 
<laughs> I, I like the idea of it. I wish I liked the execution of it. <laughs> uh, similarly with Joey's, I really like Joey. I, I, I just didn't. And the picture that I'm looking at from the RuPaul's Drag Race uh, fandom wiki, whatever, it's not the most flattering picture. <laughs> she looks like a, like a Cossack Russian. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a... Uh, um, yeah, I was I wondering... Love- I was wondering why they they busted the chops, why Rue busted her chops about the scrunchy boots. Seeing this picture, I now know exactly why they busted why they busted her oh, chops yeah. about uh, the scrunchy boots. <laughs> it looks it it's not great. And La La Re, I, I also have to give a little mention the fact that I love, and it's it's surprising there's not more of this. Although I guess the Valentina curse is still around. The masks and seeing masks, knowing that this was filmed during you know the beginning to mid pandemic uh, mm-hmm. height. Like I, I feel like we should, I should, we should expect to see more uh, creative use of masking, uh, even yeah. if it's not like, even if it's for a reveal of the face or something else. Like I, you know. Anyway, so I, I like the. It, it was both horrifying and uh, kind of made my heart like, uh, but also very like kind of reassuring in some weird way. <laughs> <laughs> I really loved Lalaurie's runway. I would have loved it more if it wasn't snake print only because snakes are of the devil and I do Mm -hmm. not enjoy them. They creep me out. I have to look the other way. So I felt like I couldn't give her outfit enough attention to detail because I was too creeped out by the fabric. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely agree with that. Gross. So um, I, were there any other ones that you wanted to uh, comment on ginger before we move on? No, I think we've pretty much covered it all. All right, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, because I I agree with pretty much everybody's everybody's take there. I did enjoy Utica's though. I, I did. It made me think of um, season two's Gone with the Window challenge. And yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been a part of Miss Comedy Queen for so long. I have seen so many recreations of that Carol Burnett gown come down the runway. The, it, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of, I know it's a new reference for, like, the current generation, but I've seen so many bad versions of that gown at Miss Comedy <laughs> Queen that I was just like, oh, gosh, another one, here we go. But hers was done very well. I knew that looked familiar, and I didn't remember where I had seen it. So thank you, Ginger, for placing that reference for me. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. That video now of that uh, went went with the wind, and oh my god! Uh, if yes, our our listeners, we will post this on the Flame On page. Uh, it is a touchstone you should all be aware of. It is uh, a fantastic send up of Gone with the Wind by the brilliant comedy comedian, mistress comedian, out of whatever uh, Carol Burnett. Oh, so perfect! I love that you say you didn't know where it came from. Did you watch this on mute? Because <laughs> she talked about it so much. <laughs> No, no, I'm, st- I, 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 yes, I, I may have, may have, yeah. <laughs> well, and if she tugs on her ear anymore, I, I'm pretty sure her ear will fall off on the runway. I lo- but I love the fact that Utica, not only is Carol Burnett, like, such an inspiration, but she knows that Rue loves her, and she fucking plays it up so much. It's, um, it's what Kelly Mantle wished had happened on season six, <laughs> that Bacon took her out. <laughs> Maybe she'll do Carol Burnett for Snatch Game. That'd be awesome. Oh, yes. Ooh, I interesting. So much. I would and love then, to see that. 
they are of the same gender and race. So, I mean, that, that, that would be okay. Cause I've heard, I've, I've heard rumor that um, it is now part of the rules of snatch game that you, the person you are impersonating has to be of the same race that you are. Um, I, I don't know. Which will be interesting. Cause we've gotten some fantastic uh, impersonations of like Bob doing Carol Channing that we would not be able to get now if that is the actual rule. So, Well, Carol Channing came out in her book and said that she was half black. Yeah, yeah, I read that in, in some of the uh, the stuff that was talking about this that came up. So yeah. it'll, just be, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out from, uh, from here on out. But yeah. Going into our most recent episode, um, the, the ball challenge, 36 looks on the runway. So... We will uh, we will just mention a couple of quick ones. I know we've been running uh, pretty long on this as it is. What? Hey, no, it's only two hours and forty five minutes. <laughs> you know, that's that's all. That is. We're into. Welcome to hour seven of the Save the Lighthouse Telethon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So the three categories were mixed bag, where they had to actually use a bag pun in their look, money bags, rich bitch eleganza, and uh, bag ball eleganza, where they crafted looks using bags. (laughs) Oh. Now, full disclosure, I have not yet watched this episode because it wouldn't download in time for me to watch it before we chatted. So I'm going to have to watch it afterwards. No worries. No worries. This one, I mean, like I said, this just came out last night. We were recording on Saturday um, afternoon. So I think this one was, um, Brian and I both have seen the the runway. And because it is so close to the um, the air date, the fandom wiki page doesn't even have the pictures uploaded yet. However, I think there are a couple things that we can definitely chat about from this episode. Um, because I still can't believe that Ms. Lala Ree walked out on the runway for her final look wearing that outfit. Now, to give you a mental picture, Ginger, think of a waist cincher. Not a full corset, but you know, just a little bit lower than a than a corset. Kind of that mm-hmm. that that solid versus like the ribs, you know, the the metal ribbed one. Yeah. Imagine that with a beautiful mug, no wig, but a purse on her head, and then dollar store um, goodie bags, paper goodie bags. Uh huh. Not opened. But just then, okay. pa- but just pasted haphazardly on like this adventure. Not even shingled. Not even shingled. Oh my. There was about a dozen of these paper bags just kind of stapled or glued, hot glued to this waist cincher where you could still <laughs> see the waist cincher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I guarantee you what happened there. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But uh, it sounds like it was one of the stretchy waist cinchers, and she did it on a dress form that was smaller than her. So when she put it on, it stretched, and there were gaps. So 
what happened was she had a concept and then realized she didn't have enough bags. Okay. So, <laughs> so it, yeah, it did not look good. She so then why would she, but why wouldn't she just like scrap the idea at that point and be like, okay, what's plan B? What can I go? What can I grab? What can I glue to this? I, I don't quite know. <laughs> I, I don't know oh what the concept was. And Nicole Byer basically kind of looked at her and was like, um, girl, what? There is, they cut to, um, they cut to Nicole Byer's reaction when Lala came out and walked the runway. And it was the best facial expression in a long time. And it was just like, what? Wait, what? Why? Huh now? Oh, I can't wait to watch this. It was... It was something. Um, But, speaking of... uh, In a a positive uh, light, Mick, when you were talking about how certain things don't don't show up on TV as well, Rue's reaction of just stunned awe when Mick came out in... uh, the money bags category with this full fully Swarovskied suit was jaw dropping. Oh, I'm excited to see that. Stunning. Yeah, y'all know I love a Swarovski. Mm, mm, so I can't was... wait to see a whole smorgasbord of Swarovskis. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. So um definitely it definitely had some some great looks. Uh, Utica utilized a, a sleeping bag to make a, a stunning outfit for the bag ball eleganza portion. Um, there were there were fantastic looks on this on this runway. Uh, unfortunately, you know we 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 didn't see the best out of Joey J. Lalari. Um, had a had not a great showing in that final category uh you know there were some interesting looks that came out of this Uh, i don't want to spoil too much for you on that one uh since you guys haven't seen it yet but we also ended up with one of the most uh caustic and uh intense untucks out of the the most recent memories Here's the thing. So usually, right after the episode airs, it doesn't matter how much you try to avoid spoilers. Somebody says, oh, these were the bottom two, and this is the girl that went home. I feel so sorry, or maybe a little bit happy, for whoever went home last night, because I haven't heard. I haven't seen one person post about, oh, this poor person went home. All I have heard about is... Oh my God, Candy and Tamisha got into a knockdown, drag out fight. It was like old school, um, untucked from the original seasons has finally come back. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Oh, I, like literally, Nana laid down to take a nap and the whole world exploded around her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was definitely interesting. It was um, it was very reminiscent of Eureka versus the Vixen in Untucked. 
it was very reminiscent of um, Silky versus Evie in Untucked. It was very reminiscent of um, Laganja versus everybody. <laughs> not even, not even so much that one. That one was fun though. It, it did have tones of it, but um, oh goodness, season. Uh, oh God, the RuPaul's best friend race season four was that Lashawn Beyond. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Or, or and then was season was it season two or three? Let's see. Uh, I will whoop your ass. I'm from Chicago. That was season two, and then of course we have um, the iconic Shangela versus Mimi in season three. Yes, yes. So but is it, it like levels of that, or is it bigger, or like because I feel like I have heard more about this than I did about any of those. It was, I think, to for my opinion, it was very much on par with Eureka and the Vixen their infamous blowout where it it eureka was like i need to go out and have a cigarette i need to get out of here and and the vixen's still defending her point of view uh because tamisha was very much uh this is what i'm gonna say and i'm gonna say it to you and candy's like i need to get out of here before i punch a bitch and she was like uh tamisha's like well you're not gonna punch me Cause I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you, and and it just it was very much it was very intense and very heated. And it went from zero to a hundred in like three seconds because Tamisha threw shit down. Admittedly, not out of nowhere because we have no idea what came exactly around that time, but it seemingly out of nowhere with the edit, and uh, Candy just like went ham and she says it she like cop to it later I mean, she's like yeah and i want ham but i mean she got so aggressive uh, I, saw, I saw somebody online saying she was gaslighting to some extent which i i don't quite track um though you know basically about you know why haven't you told me if you think i'm uh, arrogant but actually that's kind of what was just happening i don't know it was a very weird interchange and and and, and candy it was like a, obviously a button for her uh, the best thing that came out of it, though, honestly, as much as the blowout was ridiculous, they go outside. It's uh, Candy, uh, uh, Mick and uh, Tina, and they get chased around. Specifically, Mick gets chased around by a bee or something. <laughs> and it is dumb Benny Hill level comedy of just running and screaming. And ah, it's it, it cut the mood very well, I think, compared to uh, what came before. <laughs> can i tell you i did not realize what was going on because all i saw was this giant like yellow spot and i didn't realize that they had highlighted the b yeah and that's what they were doing so you knew what was going on and i was like what is this but it wasn't like okay here's this like little yellow like dot it was this giant like sun-sized ball in the middle of the screen <laughs> and i'm just it like was, what is going on it- it was like they took the sun and they were like magnifying like a, a, a you know like a light on a murder hornet chasing <laughs> Gottmik around. It was it was yes. It was unclear. I I'm sure they were like, I wish we had some establishing shot which showed the bee, or they said something like, Oh, is that a bee? But oh my god, it was, it was like 30 seconds of just comedy gold and totally stupid. 
it was ridiculous and fantastic all at the same time. So- now, one thing that I do want to say, because, you know, I haven't watched the episode, but I have seen the backlash on, on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, everything. I saw that um, people had been sending death threats and hate to Candy's mom. They found her on social media and started sending her all sorts of crazy shit. And it just, it hit me because on season seven, after that top four blow up that we had in Untucked, my mom, somebody like found out where she worked at the time and had spread the information. She started getting death threats and hate mail at work. And the one thing that always like stuck out to me was what level of crazy do you have to be to attack somebody who is an innocent bystander in the entire situation? You can watch this show. You can love a girl. You can hate a girl. You can kiki about that girl all day long. But what gives you the right to attack them or more importantly, attack their family and the people that, that really have very little to do with the actual situation? Like, it's just bullshit to me. And I think that that crosses a line between being a fan and being caught up in the emotions of the show and just being fucking crazy. Absolutely. There's this this weird uh, culture now. And it started with, like, I think of, like, these internet troll, you know, the stereotype of a kid in the basement, you know, just being antisocial and finding ways to pull uh, virtual uh, wings off of flies by harassing people online. But it's become like sort of baked into these like kind of people in other, not that demographic or not that situation to go after and be like, you know, doxing, like you said, and like harassing celebrities and politicians. And whereas like celebrities, especially if it's a reality show or if it's like a whatever, like, come on, like it's, it's, it's Hollywood, leave it alone. Don't, you don't have to go too serious and absolutely goes without question. Like families are off limits, but like with politicians, if you're going to go after a politician for their stances and their views, that's a little more, I feel like genuine, like, you know, I wouldn't call like death threats acceptable, but like, you know, that's their genuine view that they are voting on and, 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 can you know controlling but but these like poor girls and their families come on leave them alone well yeah it's like it's drag it's fun you're supposed to be watching this to have a laugh and have a good time maybe learn something and just and kind of enjoy the ride drag is crazy and over the top so the fans don't have to be you know like what does it take for you? I love Dance Moms. Dance Moms is probably <laughs> my guilty pleasure. It's one of those shows I watched every single episode of every single season and I was drawn into it, even though I felt like, oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't be watching this. But as riled as my emotions would get about this person or that person or Abby Lee Miller doing this or that or saying something, I would never go on and tell her, you're a bitch and you're a cunt and you deserve to die and you should kill yourself and you're not worth anything much less reach out to the family members who had nothing to do with the show and say those same terrible things. Like there's a, it's entertainment. You take it for the entertainment value, feel some type of way, get it out of your system, say what you need to say, but leave innocent people out of it. And also, while you're at it, just don't be a jackass and send the girls death threats and stupid messages. Leave yeah. Brittany alone. 
<laughs> yes, leave Aww. Britney alone. Aww. Hashtag free Britney. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, we Oral and I, when we were doing our recaps during All Stars Two, had this conversation on uh, on one of our our episodes, and it was after Fifi had talked about um, getting death threats and and people saying they wanted to throw acid in her face, and and it's only just gotten worse, like from there as far as being kind of public knowledge about what's going on and see all this. And I don't, I, I don't understand people's desire to send death threats to anybody. Like, I don't understand that. There are very few people in the world that I would ever like want to wish death upon. And so I don't understand how you can just like hop on Twitter or hop on Facebook and one send those things to a reality show person who is a person, let alone go and track down their family members and uh-huh. do that shit. That is, like you said, a special kind of crazy. And it needs to be stopped so badly. Well, and, and it says more about you as a person than it does about the person you're upset about. Oh, for sure. There's this disconnect I think some people have versus like the internet and reality or TV and reality. And they feel like, I mean, I've seen this in people who I know get really down these dark rabbit holes. They're like, it's like, it's a game to them. It's, it's like this weird, uh, you see this like with a 4chan culture. It's like, this is actually not a game. These are real people. And I think they just see either they don't have the empathy gene or they just don't make those connections to reality and that's why they're so like casual about this stuff or they get so spun into these uh, almost conspiratorial revenge fantasies. It's yeah, it's crazy. It's so stupid. I- and all I want to say to them is like, just sit back and be grateful that you have something to entertain you while we're still in the middle of a fucking global pandemic. Right. Exactly. While you're Absolutely. still sitting at home with nothing to do, at least you can put on television and get lost in somebody else's issues for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, it's like it's like all the people who went and attacked Jeffrey Bauer Chapman for Drag Race UK uh, for Drag Race uh, Canada to the fact that he like deleted all of his social media accounts because it was just hate after hate after hate and death threats and death threats and death threats. Or like it's not Drag Race related, but when the internet bullied uh, Kelly Tran. I don't know if you guys know who she is. Uh, She played Rose in The Last Jedi. Um, She was bullied off the internet because of death threats and people bullying her because they didn't believe that she should have been such a powerful character in the Star Wars universe. Well, do you remember when it happened to Leslie Jones after the Ghostbusters movie came out? Yeah. They were like, this, Ghostbusters aren't women, particularly black women. You look like a monkey. You look like an ape. Calling her everything they could think of under the sun. When I thought she was so charming in that movie, I think she is so funny. Like, she has said some things that maybe I don't agree with. But again, I'm not going to go to her and, and threaten her life because she said them. Like, it's your opinion, bitch. You entertain mm-hmm. me in other ways, and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy that. Like, it's just not that serious i think the pandemic has been such a double-edged sword for like reality tv because well tv in general but i'll I'll say reality tv in particular because yes it's kind of a captive audience so the audience is bigger but they also have nothing else to do when the show is over except internalize it and lash out about it yeah you're right 
it's it's ridiculous. Um, Ginger, I'm going to ask you this: Do you think it's a? Do you think a lot of the people who like uh, attack the girls are people who may have auditioned for the show who didn't get on the show and are just kind of bitter and jealous? I'm sure there's some of that. I'm sure there's some deep-rooted racists like Trump supporters that happen to stumble on the show and nothing else to watch and think that the 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 some girls deserve better than others. I like I think that there's some of that. I think that there's some of everything that goes into it. I think there's some mentally unstable people who watch it, you know, like I'm mentally unstable, but I have been medicated for years, so I know how to deal with my emotions and show them in healthy ways. It's it's all of those things. I think there's people from all walks of life who just aren't understanding exactly how to channel these emotions that they're feeling over a drag competition. Absolutely, and that's the sad part, and that's why I think it's it's harder to root out a lot of what's going on or a lot of what um, these people that do go to these extent, go to the extent that they do is because there are so many different factors. It's not like, Oh, well, if we just focus on making sure that these people don't do it, then we're fine. It's, you have so many different avenues of how they're getting to this point that it's hard to really pinpoint how to weed it out because you have to then really find all of these underlying causes. And it's just, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. But I do want to uh, end this on a lighter note. And uh, first off, I do want to just say thank you to both CJ and Ginger for being a part of this episode. Giving us this this maxi. Absolutely. You guys are a part of our flame on family. And uh, I, I, I was excited to get to chat, you know, season 13 in UK, season two with you all. Um, but as was pointed out to me in our last episode of Flame On, we talked about um, the pandemic and the partying in Mexico and, and things that were going on. And there was one thing that we did not touch upon. And I want to make sure that we, we throw out some jokes here and now to end this drag episode with uh, Puerto Vallarta jokes about the cruise that went down or as the internet dubbed it, the Boston G party. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I figure let's, uh, let's throw out some jokes and this is for a uh, friend of our pod and a uh, and friend of mine, Luke, who uh, when he was listening to the episode was like, did you guys talk about Puerto Vallarta? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm listening now. And then when he we finished that segment, he's like, you didn't talk about the boat going down? And I was like, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll bring it up and I'll leave the jokes to Ginger. Uh, oh, good lord. Way to put me on the spot, Mary. <laughs> you know, that's how, that's how I do. <laughs> that boat went down faster than CJ on a Saturday night. <laughs> that is so rude! <laughs> I don't want to go down on Saturday night. <laughs> but at least it's one way to be surrounded by seamen. <laughs> Girl, a, a group of men haven't dumped oh, a group of men in wigs haven't dumped that much tea into the ocean since Boston. <laughs> oh, 
ridiculous. I don't know. I'm running dry. That's about it. <laughs> I think my go. favorite meme was like the the ocean floor underneath uh, the boat crash, and it's got like a bottle of poppers stuck in the sand, and some condoms, and I don't know other other accoutrement from a rave. It's just oh, the Little Mermaid running around grabbing yes. dildos and butt plugs. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. It's yeah. Was it really? <laughs> yep, yes. yep. You're right. I was going to be disappointed if it wasn't. Yes, the Little Mermaid with all of her uh, with all of her new stuff after that boat went down. Oh gosh, then she'd be the little sperm maid. Oh. 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 And on that note, it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, we thank you, uh, Ms. Ginger Minge, the one and only, the fabulous Ms. Ginger Minge. You can catch her on Valentine's Day with her Galentine show. On Come get VD five. with me. Yay! So that is uh, tickets can be purchased at was it sessions live slash ginger sessions live dot yeah it's sessions live dot com backslash ginger minge backslash tickets yeah so go purchase the tickets uh, and watch not only ginger minge but that other lady <laughs> aka Lore <laughs> and uh, season two of Camp on a Kiki winner Tora Hyman uh, performing live in your home. And uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, uh, Ginger. You can follow her on all the social medias. Uh, you can follow CJ at OnlyFans.com slash The Prime Rib. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, The C-E-E underscore J-A-Y. And uh, you can yes. follow him on social media, The CJ as well. Uh, mm. I believe with that same uh, The C underscore J. So yep. uh Go follow them. Go enjoy the content that they're putting out. Ginger Minge now on TikTok, putting out videos mm-hmm. for you in bite-sized increments. And uh, we will be back in uh, two weeks with our next full cast podcast roundup, pop culture roundup. In the meantime, check us out online, flameonshow.com. Scroll to the bottom. And you can check out all of our social media icons there. And uh, if you are so inclined and you want to help support us in creating these podcasts for you, then head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and join us on our new tier, sad, sad tears of a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, dear listeners, Bobby Uch. Bye. Toodles. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.